lots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off another bar. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Radio Free Almond from the Discovery Design Studios, people. Come on now. Adjust your microphone already, my friend. Steve Church over there, freshly back from Dallas. Freshly baked from Dallas. Good morning. Uh, how's everybody? Happy Tuesday. And we have a new Supreme Court justice. What y'all think about that one? I thought it'd be the woman, Amy, but... Oh, well. I actually thought that maybe he would do that, you know, be just because... I'm not saying that you ought to pick a woman just because she's a woman or pick a person just to appease, you know, the white female suburban voter or, you know, that kind of thing. Take ammunition away from the liberal media talking head. Sometimes you would do that, yeah, because you, you know that the response is, but, you know, I, I did realize that President Trump never does anything to just to, just to offset criticism from the loony left. to worry about things like that. Doesn't bother himself with things like that. No. I have to admit that it is kind of interesting. You get to that point now where you. You're suddenly like you're older than Supreme Court nominees. And it's kind of like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Kind of like it. Stability. But it's like, it's like my little bro just got appointed to the Supreme Court, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's what it's kind of like. I mean, it's 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 just kind of weird to be in that. Because normally when it came time for Supreme Court justices to be announced, it would always be like, like, like some old dude or some old gal or something or somebody of that nature. And it would just be like, oh, yeah, they're older. Now I'm like – I look a guy that I remember seeing like – I was in a senior in high school, and he was in sixth grade. That dude. Right. You know? He was just humping uh, Little League baseball games the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Actually, he was, apparently. Like, he was coaching or doing something of that nature. Yeah. Brett Kavanaugh, people. And he was announced with, uh, with great fanfare. I always like to uh, check out how, for like, I, when I go to my news sources... One of my favorite news sources, believe it or not, 
for sometimes fairer news is Al Jazeera. Do you know that? No. I'm not kidding you. Al Jazeera reports national affairs more fairly than than any news operation in this country. That I mean, doesn't shock me. And it's and, and because you go to a lot of these foreign news sources, but Al Jazeera has always been like that, it seems, and has always in some way, shape, or form managed to kind of report things from a more fair and balanced point of view than CNN. I know Al, Al Jazeera is a, more of a reliable source for news than CNN is. What happened to them? They were climbing and climbing and climbing in distributorship, and they're growing on cable then, and it just kind of, I'm going to say fizzled, but you thought they're going to be a major, major player. Yeah. I'd say eight years ago, and it just kind of. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's hard to plot terrorist attacks and do the news at the same time. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know. No, I'm just kidding. But but really, Fair honestly, <laughs> <laughs> but Al Jazeera really is. They are, even though they did the whole you know reality TV show thing here, but they did they 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 did a pretty good job covering this thing here. All the suspense and drama of a reality TV show. President Trump picked the favorite tonight. It is my honor and privilege to announce that I will nominate Judge Brett Kavanaugh. To the United States Supreme Court. I would like to be like a reporter for Al Jazeera and be the guy like, Alu Akbar, Bill, how you doing? <laughs> you know how, they, yes. how these idiots always greet each other with yeah. like, good to see, like Fox News always says this, really good to see you, Bill. It's like, really? I mean, yeah. you're just about to report that 100 people died in like a flash flood. Good to see you, Bill. Meanwhile, they're cleaning up the bodies here. It's like, you're not really, really good to see them, right? No. And the person on the live shot say, good to see you. They can't see crap. They're looking at a camera. <laughs> right. The nomination of the president's choice for the U.S. Supreme Court has already begun a battle between liberals and conservatives that will cost millions of dollars and could dominate the November. Kids are cute. Did you see the whole family? Oh, yeah. That was nice. They were so happy, those cute little midterm girls. Elections. Mr. Trump's uh, presentation and Mr. Kavanaugh's uh, almost was a political campaign uh, appealing less to judicial philosophy than to what people might think they were voting for as a, a political candidate. If confirmed by a narrowly divided Senate, 53-year-old Kavanaugh is expected to tilt the nation's highest court decisively to the right in opposition to such issues as abortion and gay rights, despite making this promise. I believe that an independent judiciary is the crown jewel of our constitutional republic. If confirmed by the Senate, I will keep an open mind in every case. And I will always strive to preserve the Constitution of the United States and the American rule of law. Yeah. 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 I like the fact that Trump said that he picked someone that can put politics aside. That was a nice little wink. Well, you're supposed to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And actually, he one time did clerk for Anthony Kennedy, the guy he's replacing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But seems like a good guy. And I, I did I did expect at one point maybe that, that uh, they would choose that uh, he would choose the Amy, but uh, didn't do that. With so. respect to the Constitution, he believes in paying attention to what the. Fr- That's Joseph Hoffman from the University of Indiana, by the way. I spent a lot of money there. I did myself on my daughter's education. Framers thought they were writing when they wrote that language. Um, in that sense, he's not going to be an attractive candidate 
for those um, of, of a more liberal persuasion. No, he won't be. Um, how long did it take you to come up with that one, Mr. Uh, Feinstein or whatever your name is from Indiana University? It might not be very uh, palpable to the liberal side. Yeah, you think? They, 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 there's a, this is a rally, and, and, and the, she, the, she's at a podium, this one woman, and it's Stop Kavanaugh. That's the, that's the, they already had the signs made up. They already had half of the sign made up with the stop. They were just waiting for that last name well, to be I announced. Th- I, think, I wonder if they have the other stop so-and-so one. So, you know, kind of like you know, where, you, where right. you have like the World Series victory hats, where do those go? You yes. know, when, when they don't win. Exactly. So I wonder where those, those signs are probably valuable. Stop, Amy! <laughs> Abortion demonstrators and others began protesting on the steps of the court even before Trump made the announcement. Yeah, they, even before he announced it, they still had stop Kavanaugh signs. So they must have, like, known what was going on Kavanaugh there. Kavanaugh was a former staff secretary to President George This w- is John Hendren. He's a reporter for Al Jazeera, Alu Akbar to everybody. W. Bush and a former aide to Kenneth Starr. He was the special counsel whose investigation led to the impeachment trial of President Bill Clinton. With Trump facing a special counsel of his own, he may now have a key ally. Kavanaugh has already spoken out against indicting a sitting president. And Bill, back to you in Death to America. (laughs) In the Minnesota Law Review, he wrote, The indictment and trial of a sitting president, moreover, would cripple the federal government, rendering it unable to function with credibility in either the international or... Bill Johnson, Death to America, Al Jazeera News. (laughs) Domestic arenas. Of all the people, the most self-serving person he could choose in order to protect himself... Uh, yeah, let's go to MSNBC for a, a broader view of the subject. This criminal yeah. investigation. We cannot let this uh, confirmation process go forward. With the U.S. Senate deciding... Oh, but it will go forward, Corey, so... ...the nomination and split between 51 Republicans and 49 Democrats, every vote will count. Conservative... They have an aerial shot of the Capitol. That's <laughs> menacing to me. Al Jazeera with an aerial shot of the Capitol. With Nat Sound. I hope, I hope they sent an Al Jazeera helicopter. Groups have already launched. I hope they just paid Joe somebody President else to do that. I hope Al Jazeera doesn't have its own airplane or a helicopter. You know, Al Jazeera, we're glad to have you here at the Capitol, but we're not going to allow you up in the air. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and put your box cutters away, please, if you don't mind. Trump picked the favorite. Tonight... It is my honor and privilege to announce that I will nominate. Yeah. So anyway, that's your that's your deal, Kevin uh, Brett Kavanaugh, and he's the man. And I, I do believe he'll be confirmed, even though people are going to go crazy over the thing. That was fair, balanced death to America reporting. Yes, I, yes, from Al Jazeera. And meanwhile, straightforward. The, Shannon Bream, who was uh, reporting, she actually had her set out there. Uh, right there in at the Supreme Court and had to actually bail on the set they made there. Oh, I miss that. And, it was, and, and, and she was interviewing Ben Sass, who's insufferable, by the way. But, yeah. You know, last year when Gorsuch was picked, you and I were supposed to be doing our interview on the court, <laughs> steps of the court tonight. It was a little rowdy out there at the court tonight. loud out there. Yeah, uh, so, so they, had to, they had to do she, – she had the whole, you know, director's chair set up out there. Right. And they had to abandon the set because these people were so crazy. Oh, and you mean like Chris Hayes and Ferguson? Yeah. Chris, 
MSNBC's Chris Hayes. Well, they should have had yeah. a fence, you mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Gorsuch was picked last year, I went over to just engage some of the protesters. I was at the White House tonight for the president's pick, and a year ago, the president had me over when he selected Gorsuch. We came. It's interesting, the Ben Sass President Trump relationship. Ben Sass is in, uh, he's from Nebraska, and he's an obnoxious never Trumper, didn't vote for, didn't vote for Donald Trump. And so he's been kind of a, you know, stick in the presence behind for a little while. And now he's got a book coming out in about three weeks, and he's got some people wanting to primary him. He's suddenly playing nice, which is why you see Ben Sass here on a on Fox News when he's not attacking the president. This is it's, it's, apparently they've met. And now he's bragging about, well, you know, uh, I met with the president over this. Otherwise, he didn't even vote for the guy. Yeah. He's a Republican, by the way, Ben Sass, his buddy DT. Yeah. And I was headed to my office and I thought I'll go outside and see who these protesters are. And uh, they had all these Mad Lib signs. They had signs that were made up and they had Sharpies to fill in the name of who the person was who was supposedly going to end the world. This isn't the apocalypse. This is a chance to teach our kids basic civics and to celebrate checks and balances. So I think what happens next is sadly going to be an attempt to bork a guy. This is going to be a lot different than any. Everything is different now in this environment. When it comes to, I mean, everything is volatile. Everything is an argument. Everything is a blow up, a dust up. Level 10. It starts at level 10. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, you know, the, the way you talk about Bork here and everything else, back in the day, it was unusual to have, you know, big flare ups. It was even unusual to have, like, for instance, remember when Dan Rather uh, made. Uh, a scene when he was talking to President Nixon and they had that big that that went down in history as this like major event. Wow. Now it happens every day. Yeah. Practically. Practically every day. Um, this 30 years ago or 31 years ago in the summer of 87, uh, this seat, which Kennedy's held for 30 years, was the Bork seat. And when Bork wasn't given a fair hearing and when he wasn't confirmed, he went out and wrote a book the next year called The Tempting of America, which is about the politicization of everything. We're not supposed to have judges who think of themselves as super legislators. Yeah, I mean, and, and these people want that. I mean, first of all, they lost an election and elections have consequences. This is what happens. This is why the election of 2016 was so important. We knew that the next president of the United States, which is why it confounds me that this very person speaking, Ben Sass, didn't vote for President Trump. And he, he talked about teaching our children and all that other stuff. But the fact of the matter is he would just as soon have Hillary Clinton in office as anything else. So I really – Ben Sass has no credibility with me. But he makes a good point that this is not supposed to be political, and yet the left, they absolutely, they, they absolutely believe it's political. Now, is it political to have a Supreme Court justice on the court who happens to be a conservative originalist? Maybe if your viewpoint is that the Constitution's a political document, maybe. But if it doesn't jibe with the Constitution, it doesn't belong there. And it doesn't matter whether it's a liberal or conservative idea from the beginning. It doesn't belong there if it doesn't match the Constitution. Period. Correct. End of story. Protesting on the steps of the Supreme Court tells you that our system is breaking down in terms of basic civics. Protest at the White House. Protest at the Congress. Because those are places where people are supposed to be responsive to politics. That's a good point, too. And where you have people who are on the steps of the courthouse. Now, keep in mind, they're there. And, and 
this is no secret. They're there because they want television cameras there. And that doesn't right. I mean that if you're going to protest and you're going to have a venue to get your point across, then you are going to do it in a place where you're going to be seen. I mean, that's just the where True. it goes. But I, mean, I think after time, as you said, what was a level 10, oh my gosh, moment is now just, oh, here they go again. Oh, here they are screaming and hollering, acting like the sky's falling again, and it's not again. Well, and it, it gets old after a while uh, because people start to actually downplay and, and and count themselves out when it comes to credibility. You no longer really have – you're no longer thinking of these people as having a point. You think of them as just another group of agitators, and that's it. Right. And and, and you lose your your oomph. You, use your, you lose your impact, so to speak. Right. Yeah, and, and, and that becomes a problem for them, uh, not necessarily for me. I don't really care too much about uh, that deal. So MSNBC then, of course, just immediately went crazy over this. And he's right-wing, he's conservative, he's Kavanaugh, crazy. Kavanaugh, not surprising. And, and someone who, as Pete and I were, Pete was saying, this is a guy who cut This his- is Rachel Maddow with glasses, by the way. His name is... Uh, <laughs> The other Chris, Chris Hayes. Hayes. The Star Report co-wrote right. the Star Report, right. has moved in conservative right-wing legal circles for the entirety of his career. It was largely seen as someone like Neil Gorsuch mm-hmm. who would be in this position. You know, my reaction, uh, twofold. One, I'm not surprised. That always seemed like this was the most Gorsuch-like uh, the most Gorsuch-like pick of the bunch. And by that, I mean someone who had punched all the tickets, uh, all the sort of elite credentials, and who had also spent his life in conservative right-wing legal circles in which people can be sure they're not going to get a suitor. Keep in mind that the position of many people on the left is that anytime you are a strict constitutionalist, you are considered to be right-wing. And that's just how the left views things and anytime you start talking about the constitution oh here comes the right wingers again talking about the constitution yeah except when they're angry about something like uh, violations of the fourth amendment that kind of stuff you're following the law you're right wing radical yeah you're a powdered wig slave owner alt right you want to follow the law how dare you all right, so coming up, we're going to have, if we can, uh, Jim Talent's going to be joining us. He's in uh, high demand today, so I'm going to get him on just a little later on, and we're going to follow up on more reaction from all this. Also, did you see that there is this um, – do you see that there's uh, – I'm trying to figure what, out what – what is a cyclone – as opposed to a hurricane? Like, is a cyclone, does it go the opposite direction or something like that? In the like cyclone, a, similar to a tornado, but it's tropical? I don't know. Um, it's the same thing. Like, like, you hear all these exotic kind of names, uh, the, you know, like a typhoon. Like, you never hear of, like, a typhoon in Alabama. It's always like a typhoon right. in, you know, Taiwan. I was in the middle of a monsoon in Arizona. Were you really? Yeah, just a few days ago. Was it a real it, monsoon? Yes. Sandstorm. seemed like a monsoon? No, it was a monsoon. Was it now? Yes. Mark Curtis at NBC's 12 said so. Mark Curtis? Mark Curtis. Formerly of Channel 2? Yes. He's he's their Dick Ford in Arizona. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, I thought Mark Curtis was a sports guy. He's a news guy. Has been, I think, since he went to Arizona. 
He, so he's a news guy now, though, right? Yes. So I'm not Has mistaken. been for a decade. Same, same Mark Curtis, but it was a monsoon, and it was, uh, it was amazing to see. Back in the day. Was Mark Curtis part of the uh, parachuted in team at Channel 2? Really? What? I'm... Oh, yeah. No, these are the guys. They, they, it was the worst possible way you could promote a brand new anchor team. Oh, boy. Well, we'll talk about that when oh, we, wow. we do on the other side of this uh, beautiful morning. Good morning this morning. By the way, too, I'm going to try to. I don't know whether I can or not. Let me see something here. I'm going to try and see if I can get a, uh, if I can get, no, hold on. I got to sign in. I'm going to try to see if I can take phone calls today. Ooh. On the, on, on Skype. And there's a way to do it. I just have to find out what the number is. And so I'll take, I'll take phone calls from the listeners here at Radio Free Almond. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here is our national anthem. Tonight, the Ottawa Senators, in cooperation with the Oregon Project, a nonprofit organization founded by our owner, Eugene Melnick, whose mandate is to raise awareness of organ donations across Canada. Welcome someone who's received a life-saving kidney plant transplant at age six from her mother. This past summer, she competed on the hit show America's Got Talent, where she finished as the youngest runner-up in history. Please welcome to perform the national anthems 10 year old Angelica Hale. Veuillez vous lever, retirer chapeau et casquette et joignez-vous à Angelica Hale pour l'interprétation des hymnes nationaux. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so bright? Stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight. Oh, the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rocket Oh, oh, 
it up. No, I ain't hosting. Cush all in my lap because he don't wanna roll it. I was sliding in the lamb with the power glide. Slime green paint, peanut butter inside. She wanna speak up, coming out of clothes. I'm in Wonderland when she coming down the pole. And I don't care if she take all of mine. Like it ain't shit but a dollar sign. Diamonds unthought, coming in froze. Got too many girls to let one of them go. When I make a purchase, I can't wait to show oh, oh. She better put a pinky ring on Snow Globe. I'ma have that pixie on lock like Coco. Yeah. She was going up and down like yo yo. You can say I'm greedy cause I always want more. more. I don't fuck with homes cause they want some slow folks. Good morning this morning and welcome to Radio Free Almond. Live from the Discovery Design Studios. Discovery Design Inc. It's nicely designed in here. It's nicely designed in here, but if we were a truck... Discovery Design would really like us because they do us up and make us into that truck we always wanted to be. And that's what Discovery Design is all about with Arrowhead Building Supply and a gang out there, Rick and Jerry Pogue. And this is their other business. This is their expansion. This is their other innovation. This is their post-Trump election endeavor. Another example of businesses that are thriving and doing great now. Because of a brand new economy. And this is where businesses can take chances and get into it and do different things. And this is what they're doing here. I want an Evil Knievel looking truck. Uh, well, I thought Evil Knievel was a motorcyclist. But all his motorcycles were in this decked out 18-wheeler looking badass Evil Knievel looking truck. Oh, yeah. Truck. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, you know what would be even better is to have the uh, the uh, that we could do what like the mammoth car from Speed Racer. Oh, yeah. I bet you they could make the mammoth car made of pure gold. Who drove the mammoth car? For what, it, it was racing. some evil guy. It was a bunch. Of, I thought it was a bunch of guys. That was like a bunch of gangsters who drove the That's mammoth right. car. Yeah. And was the mammoth car made of gold? I think it was. I think the mammoth car was like actually made of gold. Yes, thirty-six carat gold, I believe. Yeah, and I, <laughs> gold. It was a gold-plated mammoth car. But yeah, I think it was. I think it was made of made of gold, and I think he melted at the end. It was crazy, man. That mammoth car speed rate was very menacing. I have to tell you, you can't drive the walk. You're not ready yet. <laughs> Spinal Jim Jim. They, they kind of uh, tell you the truth, I, you know, Speed Wraith, he, as much as he was a, a race car driver and like a like a speed racer, he was kind of a wuss, tell you the truth, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. 
the movie portrayed that pretty well too. Is wussness that Emil Hirsch and Goodman did? Did Did you think uh, that? Wait, wait, oh, Goodman was uh, pop pops, pops, right? Yeah. How was that movie? By the way, I don't think that would go over very well. It was very strange. Well, there were several things going on. There was the Wojcicki brothers who did Matrix, and they were the directors of Speed Racer, and they were doing this in Germany. And in the middle of uh, production, they were announcing that they they would be no longer the Wojcicki brothers, but the Wojcicki siblings. (laughs) Because they would no longer be brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. One was going to transform into... A woman during the production. Oh, no. And I think... Uh, this doesn't sound like Speed Racer to me. <laughs> they actually had to put up warnings uh, prior to the movie after the first weekend of uh, people who would have epileptic seizures. Wow, really? Watching the movie. Yeah, the 3D is intense. But, yeah, it's kind of the half animated. So they kind of incorporated some of the animation into the live action. Um. It make, makes it for a bizarre movie, but I, I think it was a nice attempt. It, it was it wasn't bad, yeah. but I think Emil handled the wussness of uh, Speed Racer well and explains his wussness too. Did you guys like that uh, that national anthem? By the way, some people were asking who that was. That was that was an, amazing. Angelica Hale. You like that very much. I like the fact that the guy, you know, because like when you're when you when you're the announcer guy for these things, yeah, you're just I, I just to be an announcer at a game, you just I would think it would be very intimidating because you don't want to like mess things up. It is, and and do, have you done that before for Mizzou and for the arena football team, the Blue Zone, the uh-huh. Stampede, yeah. Well, this guy kind of had like uh, he 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 made up for it pretty well. Hold on a second, let me just see if I can find out. Uh... Please welcome to perform the national anthems, ten-year-old Angelica Hale. Veuillez-vous lever, retirer chapeau et casquette et joignez-vous à Angelica Hale pour l'interprétation des hymnes nationaux. That's French. Are you sure? Oh, <laughs> uh, hold on. With the organ project. Non- here, here. That's his way. He Tonight, the Ottawa Senators, in cooperation with the Organ Project, a nonprofit organization founded by our owner Eugene Melnick, whose mandate is to raise awareness of organ donations across Canada. Welcome someone who's received a life-saving kidney plant transplant. At- kidney plant. See now you don't. Yeah. Now see you wouldn't like like he glossed over that very well. Right. But he's probably like still thinking about the fact that he did that. And it, just. From my take, he was so worried about saying the word organ versus Oregon. And then he's so worried about one word that his next sentence, his next word, that's the one he en- ends up stumbling so you, over. So you thought he was worried. He thought he'd say Oregon? Yeah. In fact, at, at first I thought, I'm like, what does the state of Oregon have to do with the Ottawa Senate? Oregon transplant. <laughs> Coming up, the Oregon transplant. Who's received a life-saving kidney plant transplant. Ah, see, he said kidney plants transplant. See, I feel bad for him. Yeah. I shouldn't be. I'm not picking on him. I'm just, I was just uh, marveling at the fact that he was able to go through that. And you'd never, most people never even caught it. I was fortunate, at least with the Stampede, Jim Otis, who was the general manager of the team and president, he just let me go. He would let me have fun. He would, 
I would have to do the announcing, but he said I could go over the top as much as I want. But he let me have fun and just kind of let me ad lib, uh, kind of like a, a lot like what uh, Kevin Slayton did with the steamers. Uh-huh. You know, just kind of just don't take it so seriously. If you flub up, you flub up and punch a fan <laughs> and punch Steve Jungle in the if face. It doesn't work out. Just punch somebody in the face <laughs> or the opposing team forward. Yeah. Uh, I don't care what you say about Slayton. I always liked him. I yeah, I think he's yeah, he's a good, you know, good dude and very loyal and just yeah, good man. I mean, Kevin Slayton, salt of the earth. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing. It seems to me that Slayton was probably a little bit ahead of his time to tell you the truth because yes. now this kind of whatever kind of attitude he had is would be more that would would have would be more than welcome in this modern day. Yes. We we need someone like Slayton to deal with these left wing kooks out there. <laughs> and he'd love to do it. He yeah, you, you, th- it. You, th- you think Antifa would last like a second around Kevin Slayton? You know, come on. You need more people like that. You do. You need, you need some uh, ball busters out there. Let me, I'm going to hear him mess this up again just for one more time. Someone who's received a life saving kidney plant transplant. At- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's bad, isn't it? Because you know the guy, how how many times did this guy do this before he did this? That reminds me uh, when Mark McGuire broke Roger Maris's record in the following inning. So it's on worldwide TV. It so Fox interrupted all programming, aired this game in its entirety, in the hopes that McGuire would break the record. Then they had it on MLB International Worldwide. The following inning, Mark Grace is up to the plate, and John Hewlett announces up up next for the Cubs, Mark McGuire. And literally, Mark Grace turned around. He's like, really? And he just starts shaking his head, and then finally the, the crowd caught on, and he goes, excuse me, sorry, Mark Grace is up to the plate. Yeah. yeah. Never mind, a nuclear war is about to take <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> we interrupt this ball game to bring you a nuclear war. <laughs> oh, that morning zoo radio. That that's funny stuff. It's the morning zoo here at KC. See the life saving kidney plant transplant. You know, I you and I feel bad because you know the guy and and he was like probably how'd I do? And it was oh great, it was great, man. Good job. <laughs> when everybody is, did he say kidney plants, Trant? Did he just say that? And he, you know he's thinking to himself, damn it! Can't believe I said kidney plants, Trant! Do you think the French caught on to that? No, nah, because they're, they're, they're too... Welcome someone who's received a life-saving <laughs> kidney plant transplant. <laughs> Listen to me, who can't like talk my way out of a paper bag making fun of this guy. Neither can I. And and also that kind of didn't sound very French. It sounded like a different. Is there a different type of vibe when it comes to uh, when it comes to French? Like, is there a different uh, cadence to it when it's in Quebec? At least or it, Ottawa. At least with the Olympics, they'll have one announcer do the English, a different announcer do the French. Yeah. Perhaps they should do this in um, hockey. You NHL. See, uh, this uh, story about this emo's pizza driver. Yeah. 
I, this this is this you talk about how things have come to the point where they're now routine and where they're now just something we just accept as part of life. This guy, this uh, David Matthews, was this outdoorsman, kayaker, camper, dude who was just, you know, all over the place. And what's the matter with a broadcast interrupted? Yeah, I was just checking it real quick. It's fine. It's back up now. Oh, it is? Yeah, it just went for a moment. Yeah. That happened a lot yesterday, too. The broadcast being interrupted. See, that's the problem with uh, we got to we got to figure that out because the because there's something with the either the internet or something where we got to figure that out because uh, yeah, my right arm looks great on Facebook. That's right. So David Matthews, so a music fan, go to all these Easy. concerts, and he worked at Emos and a, a restaurant called Three Monkeys, and. You know, most of the pizza drivers I know, it's not an easy job. Not at all. And usually the people doing it, I mean, I, and I can't imagine it being that thankful of a job. Uh, I, you know, it, it seems to me that most of the guys I know who are pizza drivers, and I know a couple of them, Roman and his dad, Mike, who were from Ukraine originally, and they worked at Emos. They work at Emos in Clayton. And every Monday when I have the kids and Andrea is teaching a class, she a PSR class during the school year, Monday night's pizza night. We order pizza, pizza and all that kind of thing. And we usually get it from Emos. Uh, my buddy Dave uh, Gorazay owns the place over there in Clayton. I get it from them. So I get to know these guys. And it's not, it's not an easy job. No. And – too often we don't tell the stories, and congratulations and kudos to the Post Dispatch and Christine the Byers for actually telling the person's story. But this guy is out there on uh, Potomac in Tower Grove, Tower Grove South, which is rapidly deteriorating as a neighborhood. I mean, it it you know even a while back around the Botanical Garden, you know around Shaw's Garden, as we call it, growing up here. Right. It was a iffy place. It was not a uh, not a very safe area there, uh, around Alford, that area there. But it's gotten progressively worse over the years. And so he's out there in Tower Grove South just about before midnight on July 4th. And so they say he was delivering pizza Four emos and shot uh, twice in the neck. They have no suspects, and they haven't talked to uh, about a motive or anything. And he was, you know, at, at one point, you know, stabilizing. And you know, they they ultimately thought maybe he'd even survive. Uh, even though he would be paralyzed, and then he suffered a stroke and, and and died, and this is one of those things where crime in St. Louis at some point it has to be addressed. I mean, our 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 we've had people, and again, 
you know, the guys who are involved in drugs, there's a little bit of difference between guys who are involved in uh, nefarious activities and drug dealing and all this kind of garbage, and they're gangsters and they're part of, that's part of life. Back in the 20s here in St. Louis, if you go down to the city of St. Louis and the police headquarters there, they have a, a gallery of <clears throat> police officers, excuse me, who have been killed or were killed. And back in the 20s, it was really horrible here in St. Louis. I mean, the, the gangs were prevalent, all the, the mobsters. And you had a police officer killed about once every two weeks, it seemed, if you look at the list of people killed. Right. I mean, it was a dangerous place. So it's not like it hasn't ever been crazy before, but it's really crazy now. And we've had now we have people, though, in downtown St. Louis, like, for instance, that food truck guy who was run over post-carjacking. It's like, really, people? This is getting to be where now it's, like, downtown in the middle of – in broad daylight. And that can't help the city of St. Louis. No. Well, when the city's attorney doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's also part of the problem is that back in the day – when Jennifer Joyce was was there, she was pretty hardcore prosecuting, for instance, gun crimes. And there are laws that call for upwards of you know, 40 years onto a crime if it's committed with a firearm. And oftentimes and too often that particular charge is sometimes just simply left by the wayside and, and it's part of a plea bargain. But Jennifer Joyce really hammered some of these folks, and, and that's, that's the only way ultimately you're going to get results is by sending people to jail, that, sending people to prison. That's how it works. Right. And, and utilizing the laws that you already have. Right. And having an attorney that knows what they're doing. Yes, a circuit attorney. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> no doubt about it. Back to people wanted to know about this story. They, they, they wanted me to make sure I double back on the uh, on the Channel Two thing. So there was yes. a back in the day, and it was I was here. I was I know it was eighty nine. It was early nineties. It was when Mark Curtis came. Okay, you mean after Stu Clytenic? <laughs> no, it was it was actually at that time. I think because yeah. what happened is they had boy I can't remember who these people were though. They changed everybody at Channel Two. And then, like, brought in an entirely new anchor team, mm. and it and they sh- and the promo that they showed was a was them getting off of an airplane, like they were coming. The, the promo began at the airport. Look who's coming to St. Louis, everybody. A brand new team of broadcasting geniuses. And they showed them at coming off of an airplane at the airport. That's great. It, it, I mean, it was a promo of them, like, walking down, you know, out of Lambert or something. And it was the worst possible... It was the worst possible thing you can do in St. Louis when it comes to the, the news media... Because St. Louisans like familiarity. St. Louisans like people who have been here. And, and sometimes that can be charming and other times it can be frustrating. But St. Louisans don't like people just parachuted in to be their brand new 
saviors in the media world. <laughs> right. Especially when you, at the time, you had Larry, Julius, Karen, Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Look what Jesus has just brought in, everybody. <laughs> A brand new set of anchors from uh, Omaha, Nebraska. It's like, oh, no. Wow. I, yeah, I don't remember that. No, it, it, was, it, was, it was one of the worst possible promos you could possibly air. In fact, I'm trying to think when Larry and Zip left Channel 2, who, who was there besides Don Marsh? I, I, I don't know. Oh, Don Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I have a story that since you mentioned uh, Dick Ford and um, hang on, I had this, I had this right here as my computer, uh, my power cord here. Hold on. Something, something about my, uh, oops, sorry. There. Um, something's screwed up over there about that. Hold on. So I have a story to tell you about Julius and Dick Ford and Karen Foss. And Steve Savard, for that matter. Oh, good. Yeah. So we were, uh, we were, Julius was having a dinner at his house. And it was uh, me. It was Savard. It was Karen Foss and Dick Ford at Julius's house. This is great already. And, and I, first of all, I have to tell you that. I loved Karen Foss. I still do. Yes. Yeah. So I, I Karen Foss to me, and, and this was, and I was even at, though I was at Channel Four, Karen Foss was kind of one of these. It was like typically, like in New York and in Chicago, they have these female anchors. Uh, I think uh, Carol Marin was in Chicago. And then you had another woman up in 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 New York City. I can't remember her name, but the the big the big cities always had these really great female anchors. You know, these strong personality, usually older, right? Which was good back in the day. I don't know why though. You know, see, I, I there's nothing better than like an older, seasoned female anchor to me in TV. But for whatever reason, that whole thing changed when all these. Uh, Failed broadcasters started to get become news directors and 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 people who hired people at that time, and so you got this new brand of anchor, which was just a bunch of bubble headed, and then and then and 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 the and the males weren't any better. They hired these dumb, lazy male anchors who just you know kind of weren't very good at what they did either. Right. But yeah, New York uh, had. What's her name? Her um, in New York? Yeah, because they got rid of her. They eventually got rid of her. Unfortunately, did she end up going to Good Morning America? No, what? but but you're thinking. Well, so so back in our day, we had like one of the closest we got to like big time, and now she is big time. Was Susan Kidd? Susan Kidd, yes, yeah. Like Susan Kidd was probably, but they don't really they really didn't last long in St. Louis. For whatever reason, but Susan Kidd, where's she now? Can you look her up and see where she's like in Baltimore or something like that? Oh no, I thought. I hope not for her sake. Well, I know, but <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Karen Foss came out of Karen Foss was apparently when she was at Channel Five, she started there. She was a stage hand of sorts. She was worked. I think she worked in production or something, 
And yeah, ask JC about Karen. I don't know what his beef with Karen Foss ever was, but it had Cameron Dale, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that was what it was. So anyway, but but when I was in, so I I came to St. Louis, uh, back to St. Louis actually, in '89, and I was 26 years old, uh, and came here to work the overnight shift. At Channel 4 when they had the 24-hour news source. This yeah. is your 24-hour news source. You and Katie ruled yeah. the overnights. Katie Jamboret. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, we, she was a little later, but yeah. Uh, but still, that was when they did the overnight. I remember. Cut-ins. That was a huge deal oh, yeah. when that launched. Yeah. Channel 5 was freaking out yeah. over that. Sorry, yeah. No, I mean we we're it's it's uh and we be, we became your twenty four hour news source. So we had cut ins, you know, uh at, at like two or three in the morning and that was me. With the real time clock yeah. going. Yeah bottom in the weather. Yeah. And then I would I just didn't I I go into work like at eleven o'clock at night and I'd be done at eight. Uh, on that was my shift. Uh, eight in the morning, and then I'd come home, and normally I would then take care of Ethan because he was a baby then, and he and I would spend the whole day together, and then I would ultimately sleep for a couple hours and then go in again at 11 o'clock. Well, eventually, you know, on the weekends, I would stay. I would stay. I'd work from 11 to 8, uh, and then I would stay to report, so I wouldn't you – know, I wouldn't – leave the station to like three o'clock in the afternoon, but I wanted like to get a story on the air as a reporter and eventually get off of the overnight. So that's what I did. Anyway, back in those days though, in for instance in in eighty nine, ninety, ninety one, like Karen Foss was the cat's meow. She was the big anchor over at uh, Channel Five. Had been through a couple of anchors. Uh John Wilson was one oh, of them. Oh wow. And they hated each other for whatever reason. And John Wilson was uh, did you find out where Susan Kidd is? Last I seen, she did an obit for George Michael in NBC Four in Washington when he passed away. That's right. She's in D.C. I knew yeah, she was up yeah. in that area. Okay. So anyway, uh, Karen Foss was just mesmerizing to me. First of all, was gorgeous and was not your your glitzy kind of Hollywood anchoress. She was very measured and whatever else, but I just really, she was a mysterious, beautiful woman to me, you know? Right. And I, and I, and I, I kind of always wa- secretly kind of wanted to work for channel five because channel five was like Coke in those days. And four was kind of like Pepsi or RC maybe, you know? Right. So you had channel. Well, let's put it this way. Channel five was uh Coke. Channel 4 was Pepsi, and Channel 2 was like RC. <laughs> right. Or Vess. What was, what was KPLR? Where <laughs> are you putting them? I don't, think they, <laughs> I don't think they had news then. Vess. Oh, they did. Oh, they did? Yeah. Vess. It, it, local. Yeah, yeah, local. Vess. Uh, so 5 was like the premiere. So then, so then I get this opportunity to be over at Julius's house, and Julius, of course, uh, d- d- has doesn't we we used to send christmas cards to each other and be friends and he doesn't like me anymore because of my politics so he just disowned me after finding out my political bent so crazy to me he julius like my mentor you know right but wants nothing to do with me apparently that's a shame yeah i know it kind of is so we're over there and uh and first of all also meeting dick ford was cool 
because I grew up watching Dick Ford. Uh, and Dick Ford and John Arbel, they had they had a great show on Five Newsbeat. Newsbeat. It was an inspiration to us. Oh uh, hell yeah. yeah, we loved it. Yeah, I, and Dick Ford was kind of the straight guy, and Arbel was the funny guy, and they were. It was a good show. It was six thirty. It was yeah, six thirty nightly before they came up with. Uh, remember those shows they used to do uh, right after the news all the time in every city. Uh, PM Magazine. Yeah, PM Magazine. That was a Mike uh, Stroot creation. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so they had P- PM Magazine. and Oh, yeah, look, uh, Betsy Bruce for, first started after Max Roby left. Yeah, Max Roby, I one time, Max Roby was cool. I was f- obsessed with the news when I was a kid. I just I knew everything about, you know, uh, Chris Condon and Max Roby. And, and usually there's one guy, uh, Parker Something or other, and if you heard his voice, that was right before the uh, the screen when when it would sign off. Like the, back in those days, the TVs yeah. would sign off. Usually, when you're sleeping on the floor with your girlfriend. Now, Chris Condon and Bill McCollin, they used to literally walk the beat with my dad. Oh, really? So these reporters would walk the beat with police officers. Yeah, Just, Chris Condon was a pretty grizzled, uh, yeah, crime reporter. And occasionally would anchor, but uh, and Max Roby, I remember, remember talking to Max Roby when he, yeah, Parker Wheatley, that's who it was, Richard. Thank you, buddy. And it, the Max Roby, I got a chance one time in the newsroom because Max Roby had retired by then, and he was in uh, in. Let's see, do we broadcast interrupt again? Uh, he he was in Arizona, retired. I think he's since passed away. But I remember when uh, when Jim Bolin was in the newsroom once, and he was on the phone with Max Roby. And I was like, can I talk to Max Roby? <laughs> That's awesome. And I talked to Max Roby on the phone in from the Channel 4 newsroom. And I I didn't really know what to say. I just said, thank you. I've only watched you as a kid growing up. I just want to say thank you. <laughs> But Max Roby was cool, man. Uh, if I, I'll tell you my Karen Foss story because we joked about it. A couple I didn't weeks finish ago. mine. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, I thought you were over. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. So anyway, we're at Julius's house, and Karen Foss. I like get to meet Karen Foss for the first time, and I'm like, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, oh my lord, she's pretty, gorgeous, everything else, and everything you thought, everything she would I be. thought, yes, and it was great, and we had dinner. And Dick Ford was, well, we all kind of got that way, I think, but it was, uh, I love Dick Ford, but <laughs> he could, he could hang. <laughs> he was, he was, he was a, he was a trooper, man. Let me yes. put it this way. He was a soldier. Oh yeah. Uh, after sweeps, he would have two large, large coolers. And this is before the, uh, Eagleton federal building got built. And it was Channel 5's back parking lot. Yeah. And Dick Ford would have an all-night cooler of <laughs> uh, exploratory of alcohol. And him and the crew and the union boys, they'd be out there all night long. Dude, Dick Ford, uh, th- these guys, when they had, like Herb Humphreys and these guys, when they were out in their live vans, their first their first stop was the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> They'd go out. They'd go out and get cases of uh, ca- a case of beer or something. Oh, and yes. Drink that all night long. Yep. 
It was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, you're Karen Foster real quickly, buddy. So um, it was a 1982 National League Championship Series. We're playing the Atlanta Braves. My grandpa, longtime foreman at Chrysler, got uh, my parents and I tickets. Judge, suspense. And uh, we're four rows behind Ted Turner's box. This is game two. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, Steve Church is behind me. Ah, uh, ah. <laughs> uh. We get there early on purpose to watch batting practice. Uh, the first thing that happens, Lonnie Smith does batting practice. He comes over. He sees me. Um, I'm, I couldn't have been four foot. I was 11 years old. And uh, he comes to hand me his bat that he cracked in batting practice. Some woman grabbed it out of my hands, a grown woman, grabbed it out of my hands and took off running. Mike, <laughs> Mike Shannon... Jay Randolph and Karen Foss are standing on the field. They see this. Mike Shannon says, hey, boy, get over here. And I'm, I'm saying the thing. He goes, hop over here, and run over here. So I kind of looked at my dad. My dad's like, go, go, go over there. So I hopped over. I run on the AstroTurf. I run to them. They're by the uh, third base coach's box. He goes, uh, did you know that woman that did that to you? And I said, no. He goes, hold on a second. And he says, Red, throw me a baseball. And uh, Red throws him a baseball. <laughs> and Mike says, I want you to stand here and, uh, until I tell you to go. I said, okay. And he goes, uh, so I'm standing with the baseball. And every player that walked by, Mike made him sign my baseball. Yeah. Karen begins a conversation with me. She wants to know who I am, what I'm doing, and. Oh, she did? Oh, yeah. And um, uh, we talked a bit. And then she was the, quote, sideline reporter for Channel 5's coverage of the 1982 National League playoffs. It was a strange deal back in the day where the local team's affiliate could still broadcast home coverage of the playoffs. Meanwhile, ABC was doing the national version. For Bill Bolster had Karen be like the sideline reporter. Right. right. Wow. Um, Bill Bolster, he's a great guy. Yeah. So Karen, there was a long rain rain delay, two three hours. Karen had me hold the umbrella for her as she did cut ins about when the rain delay was going to end. Then she began a conversation with my mom and dad that lasted hours, and that's when she found out I was adopted. She then began sharing her story about she was adopting a kid at the time. And my parents and myself and Karen always stayed in touch. And then, flash cut eight years later, I'm an intern there. Karen remembered me. There was a little post-ratings party at Ruth Chris, and she literally took me by the hand and introduced me to each and every one at Channel 5 at Ruth Chris, explaining our backstory from 1982. Wow. Yeah. Delightful woman. I wish this story were longer. And then, <laughs> well, it can be. Yeah, don't stop. Okay. No, anyway. So then so, okay. Mike Bush and I were so, playing wiffle ball at two end? in the morning. Okay, how did it end? No, it's just. Oh. That, that, that's how it worked. It, yeah. Okay. And then she never spoke to me again. <laughs> you see uh, in the uh, run-up to President Trump's visit. And Matt, were you serious about the, the fact that they had that Trump balloon and somebody and 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 a float. I Germany, saw it. And, and somebody was like, 
Yes. Getting uh, Trump from behind. A Russian pig. Matt, you want to? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Really? Right? That's the float? That's the float that was in the parade. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a pig basically humping President Trump. Yeah. I'll text it to you. It was in between uh, Snoopy and (laughs) Spider-Man. Right, exactly. (laughs) I mean, once again, it's it's so weird because the left kind of tends to do a lot of this, and they tend to sexualize their aggression, which I always thought was kind of really weird. It's like when the guy from the What's in Your Wallet, who's that black dude from What's in Your Wallet? Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson, who basically, I don't know why they figured having some angry black dude selling me a credit card was the way to way to go, but <laughs> and an angry black guy asking me what's in my wallet is, is not something I would want either. <laughs> So, uh, oh, Laura, I'm just kidding. You guys need to get a, you guys need to get a sense oh, of humor for crying out loud. Uh, I was kidding Steve about his story. So anyway, no, but but anyway, he's I was the so one, offended. He was the one who uh, he was the one who uh, said that uh, that that there was a like a oral sex party with uh, President Trump on Father's Day at the White House. Remember that tweet that he sent out? Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was so weird because these are all people who supposedly are, you know, liberals and open minded people, and yet the first thing they do when they try to criticize somebody is talk about raping them, vile, vicious, yeah, narrative, yeah, especially women, right. You know, and, and and like, for instance, I think it's a little different because people say, well, yeah, but didn't you say the hot poker treatment? Yeah, but it wasn't really that that was a facetious kind of old comment. Old, old school. It's like it's like it's like a, in a back in the day of uh, not the Elizabethan era, but back in the day when they did all of that weird torturing, whatever. And I was making a joke about how people were assuming that we were going to be mean to somebody when actually my whole point was I wasn't going to be the next day in a story I did. So it's a little bit different than, but I'm talking about like real life, like sex, like, like Ann Coulter, when she was graphic, when she was the object of a roast, I don't know how many times these guys used the C word and talked about raping her. Sarah Palin, people talk about that kind of thing. And, and then the Germans, when they go to, um, the, uh, This with Trump, it's like a pig raping President Trump. I mean, it's just a Russian pig. And I don't understand. Like, these are supposedly like open minded, liberal minded people who automatically default to either some kind of gay reference or something of that nature. And the same type of people are the first ones to go on Twitter and demand that Roseanne get fired. Yes. Over a tweet. Yes. But they'll go and make a float like this. And if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- that's pretty amazing. I'm surprised Roseanne's show hasn't been picked up, by the way. It, ha- it It's going to be. It's going to be called The Connors. Um, I don't know how much John's involvement is going to be, but he is going to be involved in the series, and it's going to revolve around uh, Sarah Gilbert's character and her kids. So they've got this blimp going up in ahead of the president's London visit, and they're going to basically have a Trump baby blimp. So it's going to be Trump in a 
in a, in a diaper. Kind of like a Pink Floyd type yeah, thing? Yeah. And, okay. and, and, and on MSNBC, they're just like, you know, but by the way, just keep in mind, all you have to do is plug in Barack Obama and see whether or not uh, you are, you, this would be tolerated by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, nothing, basically <laughs> just go through the archives for the first 500 days of the president's uh, tenure and nothing people have said about him derisively would ever have been said about Barack Obama. I, I said they have an asthma, and then we, we, they gave him a breathalyzer <laughs> after, for an asthma attack. It's like nobody even – he got away with murder, this guy. Anyway, these are the folks laughing about the, the laughing about the blimp on that. One of the reasons why we're holding these protests is because of the special. This is the protest leader, by the way. Relationship, the UK and the US holds sure. together. But our special relationship is with the people of America, and it's particularly with the people of America who are on the streets day after day protesting against. Uh, Donald Trump's normalization of sexual violence, his normalization of Islamophobia. Yeah, let's 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 have let's let's normalize Muslim violence in London, shall we? Which is kind of what they do now. That place is one. It's happening. Hell hole over there. Paris is a little bit like that. Uh, I remember being over there even in early two thousand, and they had separate neighborhoods that were all Muslim, and no one could basically get in and now it's gotten to the point where the police won't even go into some of these areas and donald trump is their problem his war on migrants the muslim ban his planet wrecking policies uh, all of the policies that have put so many people uh, on the streets of the united states to stand up against bigotry well, i'll tell you the, the brits really have a lot of time on their hands apparently to protest what's happening in someone else's country boredom that they'll, that they'll never have to deal with, and yet that's what they're doing. I, mean, I, I realize it's because Trump is visiting and they're going to do it, but once again, they are apparently have so little to do that they're just going to obsess over problems that they don't have to deal with. Someone's being paid for that little protest production. Probably. There's money. There's U.S. money behind this. Oh, I'm sure. Hatred and to protect human rights. The president is notoriously thin-skinned and, and a narcissist. So the idea of a, a baby Trump flying over Westminster uh, whilst Donald Trump has to be hidden away in country retreats because he was unable to have any meetings in central London. Why would you? Most people don't even want to have breakfast in central London. Why do you think the president would want to have a meeting in central London with a crap hole that the city, that London downtown is? I mean, just think Sauge, Illinois. And I, you know what? I think I'm being mean to Sauge. I'm not familiar with Sauge. What is it called? Sauge. Sauge. Illinois? Yeah. Mm, I'm not familiar with that. There's somebody actually, yeah. it's named after somebody, too. It's a fitting testament and, uh, hmm. and a very British response to Donald Trump, and I'm sure it'll get under his skin. Now, what, how, is a, how is a blimp with a grown man in a diaper a classic British response? Well, I was refer- when you said that, first thing I thought of was Pink Floyd. Yes. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's maybe, a, it's, maybe they're trying to... Uh, what? I don't know. Maybe they're trying to connect the dot of that that's some type of but I don't even I don't know where Pink Floyd got that either. So 
All right, let me see if I I'm trying to figure out how I can get a uh well I'll figure that out while we take a break here. I'm gonna try to figure out how I can get the phone number for that is this this Skype number. Like how do I how do I get the 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 the, the phone number here? Maybe maybe these guys know. You call me and I'll see it on my ID and then Good morning this morning. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I will. I will. Hold on. Here, let me just do this real quickly. Here, you guys, you guys uh Hold on, I gotta get that off of there, and then I'll take a little break because we are live here at the Discovery Design Studio, Discovery Design Inc. For all of your trucking, your hauling, whatever you need, the guys over at Discovery Design will build it. If you build it, they will come. You didn't build that; somebody else made that happen. Nope, they're making it happen over at Discovery Design. And by the way, Mattress King, buddy, you gotta check out Master- Mattress King on Facebook. Do you realize that Mattress King? They have bamboo inside of their mattresses. I love bamboo pillows, so yeah. I can only imagine. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Okay, because yeah. when I said on the mat on the on the mattress king mattress, I was like, "Wow, this is crazy!" I didn't even know you could do that with bamboo. I've had bamboo pillows for a few years. Yeah, mattress king. These guys, their prices are just far, far below what anybody else is going to do, and they don't muck it all up with a bunch of uh, crazy little. Uh, electronic devices, and here's your sleep number, and here's your, and give you one of these things. It, 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 listen, sleeping is simple. You have simple needs and simple desires. You want a good night's sleep, a comfortable one, and Mattress King can give that to you very, very easily. So don't you worry about this. All right. We're coming back here at the Discovery Design Studio, and going to get people possibly going to be calling into the show. Figure that out. Good morning this morning, everybody. It's Radio Free Almond. Uh huh. Everybody, good morning this morning. Yeah. Come on, all things. 
Come on, little the, the, the show, though. I always wanted to play the harmonica. It's not easy, man. No. John Goodman can play the harmonica quite well. Play the juice harp. Is that the little string thing? I'm going to ask Mark Kaysen. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Yes, it's... Yeah, but why? Why? Come on in. I just went on tour. That's right, people. That's what we do here. Yeah, but why? I just went on tour. Pass me the cooler, will you? Oh, thank you. Awesome, man. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Ford. Yes, Mr. Ford, I'll have another. Mm. Where is Dick Ford, by the way? I love that guy. Heroes. I think it's hanging out. Uh, Killcoin mentions him every once in a while. Stays in touch. Killcoin does a incredible Dick Ford impersonation. Does he really? Yes, it's it is hilarious. It's deadpan <laughs> on. Yeah, I, I that's fascinating. He could do a Dick Ford imitation though. That's <laughs> crazy. It's, it's good. Uh oh, there's another Casein on here. Les Kaysen. Les, is that his son? No, that's usually what people say whenever Kaysen's on. Les Kaysen. I think that's his son. It can't be his son. He doesn't have a son. Oh. Wait. It's bad, you know, Stephen. It's Church. his brother. I think it's his brother. I think, is this your tw- basically your twin brother? Yeah, Richard said. Yeah, that, that's right, uh, Margaret. It's R.L. Burnside. It's a great tune. I like that. Uh the, um, the, but less Kaysen. So is that wait, is that your is that because he's got like he, Kaysen as a brother? They like almost look just alike. I think. Let's yeah. see. Let me get this. Let me see if Scott, I can get this. Scott seems to think that I'm around just to make yourself look taller. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, come on now. Let me see here. Okay. Now I'm going to try to see if we can do that. We can pull this off. Okay. Now, uh, keep in mind, you know, the, 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 the thing that we could possibly, hey, Les Cation, you don't know who you are talk, what you are talking about. Uh-oh, Margaret's now in up on, up, Uh-oh. up, up. She's all up in on Les Cason. Look out. I was going to actually uh, uh, get, Cason, you know, is going to do a show here on the Radio Free Almond Network. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do that. All right, so let me see if this works, and, and you guys... Uh, oh, brother. All right, Les. Yeah, is, are you the brother that looks just like Mark, except is older? Because he apparently, Cason uh, does have a brother, and 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 uh, Thad Kemlagi saw them together once, and th- and they were indistinguishable. <laughs> I, I I think it'd be. I wish there was video of that. Yeah, well, I'm sure that at some point when Mark Cason has his own show. That Les Kaysen will make an appearance. Les, can uh, you post a picture of you and Mark uh, smoking doobies and, and drum circles in Venice Beach? 
I was. Hey, Vicky says another case in heaven. Help us. Uh, can you put? Can you put a a picture up on here? Can people put pictures in their comment section? I don't know. Right, so let me let me try this. All right. So we're going to take your phone calls here at the uh, at the Radio Free Almond Show, and we're going to do Skype wise and. You know, I love it when you know, like when Howard Stern and those guys they do, oh, they they prank call. Yeah, you think we'll uh, hear they, from Richard or Sal? I would love to. <laughs> I would love that. Richard's from Kansas, is so he? They, yeah, yeah. But they, they, they're pretty funny when they do. That. I've always, yeah. I always thought about that when I was doing these phone calls because you basically, you, well, I, I don't know why I'm telling people this, but call up and okay, here we go. So the phone number is six three six eight two one. 8104 636 821 8104 Does that spell J-Red? I might... <laughs> <laughs> right, like we did on the thing. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, I might have to... If somebody calls, I don't think... Is there such a thing as call waiting, or will the phone be busy? It'll be busy. It will? Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise... I think I tried... Um... I called in a few weeks ago with you and Ryan, and um, oh, you did. It, it was busy. Is it busy? Okay, six three six eight two one eight one zero four six three six eight two one eight one zero four. That is the phone number for all of you to uh, call in. Tell us what you think about the uh, brand new Supreme Court nominee. And you know what? It was interesting. I, I saw a fairly balanced report. On none other than I'm, and I and you guys think I'm crazy, but I used to t- tell people this all the time that sometimes one of the best ways to get balanced national affairs reporting is by watching Al Jazeera of all networks because they're for whatever reason, and I, I don't think as much when it comes to foreign affairs because you know Al Jazeera, but when it comes to domestic affairs, they actually sometimes treat both Republicans and Democrats the same. And and they are just as, you know, nice to each one of them. <laughs> Good morning this morning. Who's this? This is Mark. Hell no, oh, God. You, know, you had to be the, the one. World? We hear from Mark Kaysen all the time, and Kaysen had to call into this show. Mark, are my pancakes ready? Say it again, Steve. Are my pancakes ready? No, right. anyway. no, I'm not hearing you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine. Okay, well, here's the deal. Uh, first of all, I want to get other people on here because you just called in when you can. You basically can be on the show anytime for crying out loud, and you call into the show. That's fine. But I, what's your take on for the crying out loud? I know, and you know what? What an amazing event with the. Naming of Brett Kavanaugh as the brand new Supreme Court justice nominee to make the lives of the left miserable. This is an amazing day in the history of the United States of America. Yeah, you guys are in so much trouble that you don't even realize, but that's okay because I'm sure you're enjoying it. You think it's all working out great, but hey. Enjoy yourself. Do let some other people in on this phone line. I just wanted to make sure it works, and it works great. Mark, so, let me ask you something. Give me a call. Let me let me ask yeah. you something about about this. It, it, it seems 
odd to me that someone would think that adhering to the Constitution is a right-wing concept. That's odd to me because they call Brett Kavanaugh right-wing when the only indication he's in any way, shape, or form right-wing is the fact that he is an originalist in the style of a Justice Roberts or someone of that nature. I don't understand why that's considered to be right-wing. Well, partly because there is no such thing as a real originalist. Uh, Even Scalia made things up, which you're supposed to do, so don't worry about that. Everybody's an activist judge. It just decides which, it just depends which side you're on. And, And so it's just, that's the reason. Because nobody goes by what the Constitution says, because if they did, we'd be in a straitjacket and we'd never be able to do anything. This is 2018. It's not 1789. Right. So what what do you think is going to happen, though, in the end? Because because it it seems it still is a toss up as to whether or not. Roe versus Wade would ever be overturned. In fact, what will likely happen is Roe versus Wade, the only way it will be overturned, because it's unlikely that a Supreme Court will just kind of double back and thumb through its files to overturn a well, they won't do court that. case. They so, can't do that. But eventually yeah. what will happen is like a state might make some very drastic kind of anti-abortion measure and suddenly somebody will decide that they're going to challenge it. But my thing is, okay, if you're on the left and you're going to challenge a state's abortion law, that's at considerable risk because I guarantee you if a case ever makes it to the Supreme Court and it's Roe versus Wade in the balance, in all likelihood that case will be – that Roe versus Wade will be overturned. So you guys better keep quiet. There are already cases – Yeah, there are already cases on the way of uh, exactly what you just described, and the court may or may not take them because they just they may decide not to do it. But but in any event, it doesn't really much matter. Anybody can get an abortion today if they want it, and that's a great thing because you should be able to get an abortion. Yeah, because it makes us just like North Korea and China in terms of uh, the when we allow it to happen. Too, it's amazing. I thought There's you didn't. No I thought you didn't like it. North Korea. I love North Korea. Oh. <laughs> what are you talking about? I need to isolate that little soundbite. In fact, that ought to be the, the open of your show right before the music plays. I love North Korea. Got, Welcome to the Marcation you've Show. Got me say, you've got me saying those things in a lot of places, so it's no big deal. No, there, there are good things about North Korea, and and everybody is better than Donald Trump, who. Yeah, let's not even get into that. Yeah, I know. We'll visit you, him in jail. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll yeah. talk about it when we visit him in jail. This is your this That's is your all. big van ride to jail. By the way, how did how did you wind up getting uh, less involved in this uh, in this situation? I mean, I, this is the first time ever. So many, there were so many people involved in this. It, it's yeah, it never ends. I mean, everywhere yeah. I go, I'm sure everywhere you go. It's a good thing, and it's only going to grow. Well, you know, I will tell you that ultimately what's going to happen is we will be back on television here in the St. Louis market. I had somebody last night asking me when that was going to happen. So we will uh, have uh, be back on television eventually So uh, with the wheel of casing. So we'll do it. Yeah. It's all coming, and it'll all be fine. And, and listen, 
it, once once we get on TV, then we'll be able to do the satellite feed from jail. So that's excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, my Skype isn't working anymore. <laughs> bye bye. So anyway, back to the reporting. Al Jazeera of all networks is one of the most balanced kinds of uh, presenters that you're going to find anywhere. You you okay with that microphone over there? Not really. Okay, but I'm, right. I'm good. We'll, we'll wait. We'll, we'll wait till we take a break, and you can mess around with it. How does that sound? Okay. Yeah, good. That'd be better. So anyway, uh, Al Jazeera when they report on national affairs, they're always like right down central when it comes to domestic affairs, which kind of surprises me. But listen, I'll listen to Al Jazeera any old day. I'll listen to it uh, instead of CNN, instead of ABC, instead of NBC, because at least I can get some kind of reliable, balanced type of viewpoint of what's happening domestically. Yeah, you do have the anchors saying death to America before they sign off on the lifestyle. Bill, uh, back to you. Death to America, by the way. They're even keel about it, though. Yes. They're level two. Death to America, but on the other hand, maybe not. They're very balanced about that. <laughs> Allah Akbar, kind of, is what they kind of say in their intros. It's in drama of a reality TV show, President Trump picked the favorite. Tonight, it is my honor and privilege to announce that I will nominate Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the United States Supreme Court. The nomination of the president... And folks, we're getting to that point now, too, which uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and some of you weren't here at that time. But it's kind of odd that there's a guy nowadays, it used to be like when they announced Supreme Court justices, they were considered to be like old people. Oh, those are old people. Oh, yeah, that guy's older than me. Now suddenly, this guy's like my little bro being named to the Supreme Court. He's got his young kids. He's, you know, a coach. <laughs> you know, like, wow. Yeah. I like it. He's only a little bit younger than I am, but still. choice for the U.S. Supreme Court has already begun a battle between liberals and conservatives that will cost millions of dollars and could dominate the November midterm elections. Mr. Trump's uh, presentation and Mr. Kavanaugh's uh, almost was a political campaign uh, appealing less to judicial philosophy than to what people might think they were voting for as a, a political candidate. If confirmed by a narrowly divided Senate, 53-year-old Kavanaugh is expected to tilt the nation's highest court decisively to the right in opposition to such issues as abortion and gay rights. It was so weird how the protesters in the left had their Stop Kavanaugh signs made even before the president made his announcement, which means that there had to be other Stop So-and-So signs somewhere sitting around in a box just in case, kind of like the uh, the hats that are announcing the winner of the World Series when that World Series winner actually doesn't occur. What do you do with those? When This is the little what do the they innuendo, do with those, by the way. The innuendo narrative in here, the right is against gay rights. That that's the little innuendo that you hear all the time. What what has conservative right values done anything against? Well, they gay think, rights? they think that gay marriage is going to be overturned, and it's it's not uh, going to be overturned. No, the platform state of it is is keep the government out of my home. Yeah, and, and that's and the rights. Keep it in the hands of the state. And, yeah. and I don't know why people are so menaced by this idea that, in fact, was originally the founding fathers' idea, which was things were just going to be left up to the states. Even taxation was supposed to be left up to the states, people. Even taxation. 
until 1913, when the racketeers in the federal government decided they were going to institute the the federal income tax, we were all just the state was kept on a the the nation was kept on a very steady diet, uh, and the states would collect the taxes, and they would give a portion of it to the federal government, and that's how it worked. In 1894, they made a run to try and get a federal income tax, but they failed to do so because the Supreme Court said it was unconstitutional. That's what they said in 1894, that a federal income tax was unconstitutional. So what happened at that point then was you had to have a constitutional amendment, and that's what brought us the 16th. And unfortunately, the people who were kind of responsible for the amendment were Republicans. Mm. because what was happening is in the onset of prohibition, the one way that we were able to – that we were going to fund the government was always through taxing the vices. That's kind of how the federal government funded itself without the states – when the states weren't enough for the federal government, they actually then taxed liquor. And so in 1913, these guys sniffed out the possibility that prohibition was on the way, even though it didn't come for uh, several years after that. So in order to kind of uh, stave off the possibility that prohibition would come along, the Republicans, I know what we'll do. Then we'll make people we'll, – we'll go ahead and, 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 uh, and say that uh, – that that will fund the government this way then with, with, with prohibition on and, and nobody will ever go for it. It'll be ridiculous, this idea that somehow we would have a federal income tax. No, no state's going to ratify that dumb idea, that unconstitutional idea. So they went ahead and did it. And lo and behold, oh boy, it was ratified. Although I will have to tell you, though, that – there's some question as to whether or not it actually ever was really fully ratified. That still remains a question. You know that, don't you? Let's contest it. Yeah, I say we do. But again, this idea that even abortion, abortion should be uh, left up to the states. And that, that's precisely kind of, if anything happens and Roe versus Wade is overturned, that's exactly what is, what's going to happen is it'll be left up to the states. There's no reason why federal law should be protecting uh, the, the, the a right that doesn't exist in the constitution it doesn't it's not there no now there are states rights that are constitutionally mandated that's kind of what it's all about so let the states decide how this is going to roll amen you know, uh, it was weird because they they had uh, Shannon Bream was supposed they were supposed to be you know, kind of outside the Supreme Court building. You know, they were supposed to have the director's chairs out there, and Shannon Bream was supposed to do her show, and she has Ben Sass on, who's uh, the Nebraska never Trumper. Who I, I can't even watch this guy. Uh, although people forget, see that's the thing. People forget about these never Trumpers. But keep in mind, if the never Trumpers had their way, you'd never would have never seen anything like you saw last night. You wouldn't have been able to. It would have been Hillary Clinton naming a liberal to the Supreme Court instead of a conservative. So people like Ben Sass, the Nebraska senator, 
if he had his way, because he did not vote for President Trump. So how he is now on Shannon Bream's show as kind of this expert on the Supreme Court, even talking about President Trump, is beyond me. The only thing I know about the backstory to Ben Sass is that he's written a book. It's going to be uh, released in about three weeks or so. It's another one of his idiot – his last book was about how horrible it is that we don't decorate municipal trees with Christmas ornaments or something. So how the world is going to end. Are the Murdochs publishing it? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Let's find out. Okay. Bing that. But anyway, so Ben Sass has this coming out. And pl- also, there were some threats that they were, he was going to be primaried, which actually, ought, I think, ought to happen. This guy is a, uh, a academic who is basically was a, was, a, was a professor in a college or something and now suddenly is the standard bearer of conservatism when this guy didn't vote for President Trump and had he had his way, Hillary Clinton would be in the White House not President Trump. Anyway, just for the sake of expository radio, I'm going to go ahead and play this because Ben Sass points out that they were supposed to have an interview outside the Supreme Court and the lunatics ran them off. Such was pecked. You and I were supposed to be doing our interview on the court of, <laughs> steps of the court tonight. It was a little rowdy out there at the court tonight. Loud out there. Uh, you know, when Gorsuch was picked last year, I went over to just engage some of the protesters. I was at the White House tonight for the president's pick, and a year ago, the president had me over when he selected Gorsuch. We came back. Yeah, see, now Ben Sass is acting like he's the president's best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was over at the White House, and because he knows that if President Trump had his way, and and still might, Ben Sass would be primaried and run out of the U.S. Senate. Ben Sass knows what happens to never Trumpers in the U.S. Senate. They go away. And Jeff Flake is a great example of that. How Ben Sass has managed to uh, get away with uh, surviving is beyond me. Back, and I was headed to my office, and I thought I'll go outside and see who these protesters are. And uh, they had all these Mad Lib signs. They had signs that were made up, and they had they Sharpies to right. fill in the name of who the person was who was supposedly going to end the world. This isn't the apocalypse. This is a chance to teach our kids basic civics and to celebrate checks and balances. So I think what happens next is sadly going to be an attempt to bork a guy. Um, this 30 years ago, or 31 years ago, in the summer of 87, uh, this seat, which Kennedy's held for 30 years, was the the Bork seat. And when Bork wasn't given a fair hearing and when he wasn't confirmed, he went out and wrote a book the next year called The Tempting of America, which is about the politicization of everything. We're not supposed to have judges who think of themselves as super legislators. That's true. Except it's coming from Ben Sass, which you, you just take everything with a grain of salt when it's coming out of his mouth. But he's, he's right about that. And, and everything now is so hyper-political that there's no question Kavanaugh will be pursued in some way, shape, or form. But really, honestly, I've gone through the guy's resume, and there's nothing about this guy, in my opinion, that makes him borkable. But I guess anybody can be borked. And it might just happen to him. Because these people are not happy with the outcome of the 2016 election. So Everything is a temper tantrum. Every time the president delivers on one of his promises, the president can decide, and he did, to move 
the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and everybody is downright shocked and amazed that the president is doing this because, you know, typically that's just a lie being told to uh, Jewish Americans. But this time he delivered on it, and they all freaked out. He delivered on his promise to cut taxes. Everybody panicked and freaked out, and Trump was the worst person in the world. He delivered on his promise to protect our borders. And everybody is freaking out right now and making Trump diaper blimps in London. And people are just going nuts over this whole thing. And so it's not going to be surprising that even a Supreme Court pick is going to be uh, considered a vile insult to America. And the fact of the matter is elections have consequences. The left lost And so they're going to be basically sentenced to the next six years holding placards and using Sharpies and attacking people and uh, pulling Cokes out of their hand and everything else. Although that was good news, by the way, about the uh, uh, – it turns out that, you know, people don't get away with hurting Trump supporters and with beating up Trump supporters. That dude not only lost his job. But he was kicked out of the Green Party. You know that dude in the at the uh, Whataburger or whatever it was who who attacked that sixteen year old with yeah. the Make America Great Again hat on. That guy paid a pretty heavy price for what he did. As well, he should, no doubt. So yeah. is this book? You know, if his book is being published by Murdoch or not? Macmillan, no. Oh, Macmillan and their uh, international company with subcorps in United States, Germany, United Kingdom, and Africa. They're really big on the audio books and the children books. I see. Front. So no ties to It's interesting to, to hear a never-Trumper like Ben Sass talking about teaching kids a valuable lesson. I mean, uh, to me, uh, the idea of the, the never-Trump movement itself is teaching kids not one ounce of a valuable lesson in any way, shape, or form. You just didn't want him elected because you were going to lose your hold on the basic swamp power that Republicans and Democrats have had for 25 years. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning this morning. It's Radio Free Allman live from the Discovery Design Studios. And folks, thank you so much to Rick Pogue and Jerry Pogue and Discovery Design and all the supporters of Radio Free Allman, RadioFreeAllman.com.
on, everybody. Good morning this morning. Happy Tuesday, yo. Yo. Yes, RadioFreeAlman.com is where you can find the shirts and the hats. Julie, thanks to uh, Gia's suggestion, Golovsky is making uh, different colors now. So they've got the whites, the kind of winter white look to it with the Radio Free Alman emblem on there. And then also the, it's not camo, but it's kind of a military color, like a like a camp green of some sort. You know, it's kind of got a military look to it. Yeah. And these shirts are all, and, and tanks are all tri-blends, so they're nice, comfortable material. I've learned a lot about this kind of thing, because uh, the tri-blend, uh, Steve Church, yes. is, uh, is a different kind of blend. It's a softer blend. Hmm. And, and does it use three different types of material for the yes, word it try? Oh. Yes, it does. It's hmm. uh, tri as in T-R-I, which was uh, Latin for three. Hmm. Learned that in Latin class. Fascinating. I learned that in, Aust- uh, in my Austria class. <laughs> my Austria language class. You didn't learn that. Somebody else learned that. Somebody else learned that in class. Somebody else gave the asthma sufferer a breathalyzer. Inhalator natus. What's that new math they're doing in school? The Common Core? Oh, yeah. It, it, that failed, didn't it? I hope uh, so. No, it's still around. Oh. I mean, parents are having to relearn. Common Core is very hard for people to... Uh, like me. To do. Yeah. It's very hard. Like, for instance, I, who was horrible at math, would never even dare attempt to try to help my children with their math now. I was great at math until the alphabet got involved in math. Like algebra. Well, see that you know, like geometry, I was good at because it well because it had it had axioms and it had like words in it. What was that big word you just used? Axiom. That would be an axiom, Steve. Uh, you did. You take the perpendicular triangulation and then you make it into an axiom. You see. Okay. Which, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's kind of language we don't talk about anymore because uh, you know. it was yeah more than two syllables. I you threw me off. I mean, math, I just didn't have a, I don't know. Unfortunately, I kind of think I passed that on to uh, uh, to my some of my kids. I won the third grade uh, multiplication contest at Sappington School, and then it all went downhill. Really? You won a multiplication contest, yeah, huh? Yeah, it, it uh, went through 12, so... Uh, like, Was it like a spelling bee, except this was multiplication? Mm-hmm. Go up to Mrs. Medlock, and if you were ready to tackle the twos, and you go to twos, and you work from one through 12, and when I got 12 times 12 is 144, I was the third grade Sappington School multiplication champion. Which, wow. Which meant I got a candy bar and a hug from Mrs. Wow. Medlock. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Well, first those are two things you're never going to get you'd never get in school again though. That's for sure. No. There's a candy bar thanks to Michelle Obama and a hug thanks to all the rapey people out there who now you can't even even have a relationship with a student these days, you know what I mean? I'm just telling no. you. Yeah. It's just That's not, what I not hear. that day anymore. 
So we hear. So yeah, we uh, Matt showed me something off of Facebook that I actually did have a variety of signs that were made up. Yeah, of all the potential nominees, stop so and so, stop Keflage, stop this, stop that, and stop Kavanaugh. But they had they had people took pictures of all the varying signs. You okay over there, buddy? I'd say. Hey, give, give Steve Church a breathalyzer. Intern, he's having an asthma attack. Intern, water, please. Give him an inhalator. Inhaler, dedator, dedator, Um, sand from Arizona is still kind of from the monsoon. Correct. I wonder if they had any signs ready to go that someone that they were hopeful Trump would pick. Hooray, so and so. Somebody actually brought a sign that said "New York Yankees 2018 World Champions." They didn't. They <laughs> put that away. That's for later. Right. <laughs> Hooray, Yankees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Joe Buck hates us. Yeah. Uh, does Joe Buck really hate the Yankees? You sure you're okay over there? No. And people from Boston think he hates the Red Sox. People in New York think he hates the Yankees. Yeah, I know. Well, that's, it's always – the problem, though, oftentimes is like when Joe Buck is doing the uh, – like the Cardinals, he's so sensitive. I think some people think that, that he, he tries to make sure that he's not a Cardinal guy, but I think some I, people are overly sensitive yeah. about that whole thing. There's a water for you. Thank there, you. Thank you. That's You're not, not even breath. an intern. That's a, Thank bottle, you. that's a bottle of water. That's not a breathalyzer. Because well, I've worked on productions with Joe, um, baseball Joe. Oh, and you football. Call him Joe, do you? Well, I'm sorry. Mr. Buck? Yeah. Mr. Buck would be his dad. Yeah. Joe's. I consider him a friend. He's been a very good friend to me. There is so much going on in a game. So much behind the scenes, uh, stats, talking points, announcements to read, especially on a national broadcast. You, you really don't have time. And you're so into the game and into the production and what needs to happen on television. You really, even if it's the Cardinals, you're not thinking about yeah, no, I, I, I think I think oftentimes it's it's just the way people view what, 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 what if there's anybody that remotely gets excited about the opposite team, they suddenly are somehow traitors, and that's just right. kind of how how it all works. Right. I mean, and and that's unfortunate. I think Joe Buck, but I do think sometimes it does make a. There is maybe an unconscious kind of uh, tendency to try to make sure that you're never accused of being a I'm sure Homer. So especially if you're doing a national broadcast and you're from St. Louis and your dad is a revered right St. Louis broadcaster, you do have that little bit in the back. But but I think he does it you know professionally. New York Times with an interesting case, uh, interesting piece by a guy named. uh, Aki Reed Amar, and he's a professor at Yale Law School. And I will put the, I'll go ahead and put the, I'll go ahead, uh, first of all, I'll copy the link, and then ultimately when I have a little time, when we're doing a little break, I'll put it up in the comment section so you can spread this. You okay over there, dude? I'm My good. God, you are noisy. I have no cough button. Lord have mercy. So uh, <laughs> the... Uh, New York Times has this piece from him, and he's a he's a Yale law professor, and he writes about the liberal case 
for Judge Kavanaugh, a liberal's case for Brett Kavanaugh. And he points out, he says, the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh to be the next Supreme Court justice is President Trump's finest hour, his classiest move. This is coming from a liberal at Yale Law School. Last week, the president promised to select someone with impeccable credentials, great intellect, unbiased judgment, and deep reverence for the laws and constitution of the United States. In picking Judge Kavanaugh, he has done just that. Mark Kaysen, this is from a liberal. Les Kaysen, who Matt, by the way, called up Les Kaysen's picture. He's apparently a photographer. He's kind of like a, a hipper version of Mark Kaysen, isn't he? I think he's, does he have an earring? Looks like he's got kind of an earring or, yeah, he's like, he's like, Mark Kaysen is the, is the guy that, for instance, would never be caught anywhere without a tie on. Like he'll, I've never seen him without a tie on. Me either. And then Les Kaysen apparently is his kind of more hipster, the hipster version of Mark Kaysen. Mark wears a tie in the shower. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 that's the that's the shower tie, everybody. It's made of uh, a nice foam, a tri -blend. squeezy tri blend <laughs> sponge. And then what you do is you wear it in front and clean your chest, and then it has a scrubber for the back, and you just flip it around on your backside. Use it that way. It's a shower tie, exfoliating tri blend tie, available at Target. Remember the uh, when they had came out with the the shower massage by Waterpick. Remember that they were just everybody was so crazy about oh, yeah. know, getting a Ooh. having a dial shower. It's like so groovy. Yep. All right. So anyway, this is the liberals' case for Brett Kavanaugh in 2016, and this is him speaking. I strongly supported Hillary Clinton for president, as well as Barack Obama's nominee for the Supreme Court, Judge Merrick Garland. Which, by the way, that was funny how Schumer and those guys, you should choose Merrick Garland for, you, for the next Supreme. That would ease tensions in the United States. And President Trump's like, stuff it, Schumer. I'm not choosing Merrick Garland. <laughs> that will go a long way in easing tensions in this It'll country. be a better meal deal for America. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, these guys... Because, because after all, that's President Trump's job is to, is, to, is to ease and seal divisions in this country because you're so divisive, President Trump. I love it how the, how the left always calls people who don't agree with them divisive. We need to become less divisive. Oh, you mean what? Agree with you? Yes. That would, that would help be, uh, be less divisive. Yes. You can just agree with everything I say. Anyway. But today, with the exception of the current justices and Judge Garland, it's hard to name anyone with judicial credentials as strong as those of Judge Kavanaugh. He sits on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit Court, which is the most influential circuit court. This is not like the Ninth District Court of Appeals, which is over on the West Coast. And these people are crazy, okay, over there. This actually is a credible court. And he commands wide and deep respect among scholars, lawyers, and jurists. Kavanaugh, 53, has already helped decide hundreds of cases concerning a broad range of difficult issues. 
Good appellate judges faithfully follow the Supreme Court. Great ones influence and help steer it. Several of Judge Kavanaugh's most important ideas and arguments, such as his powerful defense of presidential authority to oversee federal bureaucrats and his skepticism about newfangled attacks on the property rights of criminal defendants, have found their way into Supreme Court opinions. Now, keep in mind, the skepticism on newfangled attacks on the property rights of criminal defendants, this is all about, you know, for instance, asset forfeiture and that kind of stuff, which I think is a very questionable pursuit of the federal government. I'm just telling you. Judge, uh, except for Judge Garland, no one has sent more of his law clerks to clerk for the justice of the Supreme Court than Judge Kavanaugh has, and his clerks have clerked for justices across the ideological spectrum. More judges, I'm sorry, most judges are not scholars or even serious readers of scholarship. Judge Kavanaugh, by contrast, has taught courses at leading law schools, published notable law review articles, and more importantly, he is an avid consumer of legal scholarship. And he says, this is a liberal, by the way, in the New York Times, writing in the New York Times in defense of Judge Kavanaugh. He says, this studiousness is especially important for a jurist like Judge Kavanaugh, who prioritizes the Constitution's original meaning. This is a liberal saying this, people. A judge who seeks merely to follow precedent can simply read previous judicial opinions. But an originalist judge who also cares about what the Constitution meant when its words were ratified in 1788 or when amendments were enacted, cannot do all the historical and conceptual legwork on his or her own. So, this is a liberal again speaking. Judge Kavanaugh seems to appreciate this fact where Antonin Scalia, a fellow originalist, did not read enough history and was especially weak on the history of the Reconstruction Amendments and the 20th Century Amendments. So this guy's taking a little bit of a shot at Antonin Scalia, uh, Scalia who's like one of the, all my all-time favorite Supreme Court justices. This is a liberal, again, people, okay, in the New York Times, and God love the New York Times for printing it. And this, I'll put it in the comment section of Facebook in just a second here, and then you guys can spread it around or even put it on your Facebook page or wherever else if you want to, or just simply take it out, paste it to your forehead, and just leave it there all day long at the water cooler for when the left-wing lunatic tries to challenge you and just say, read this. In fact, print it out and just give it to him and say, shut up, here, read this. I'll take it to the 12th floor at 190 Carondelet. Yes. Post it there. Although Democrats are still fuming about Judge Garland's failed nomination, the hard truth is that they control neither the presidency nor the Senate. Yeah, go figure. They have limited options. Still, they could try to sour the hearings by attacking Judge Kavanaugh and looking to complicate the proceedings whenever possible. And this is a liberal speaking, folks. He says this would be a mistake. Judge Kavanaugh is, again, a superb nominee. So I propose that the Democrats offer the following compromise. Each Senate Democrat will pledge either to vote yes for Judge Kavanaugh's confirmation or, if voting no, to first publicly name 
at least two clearly better candidates whom a Republican president might realistically have nominated instead. So he's daring Democrats who want to vote no to name two more superior nominees. This is a liberal, people. In exchange for this act of goodwill, Democrats will insist that Judge Kavanaugh answer all fair questions at his confirmation hearing. That's fine. Fair questions would include inquiries not just about Kavanaugh's past writings and activities, but also about how he believes various past notable judicial cases, here we go, such as Roe versus Wade, would have been decided and even about what his current legal views are on any issue, general or specific. And this guy's pointing out that everyone would have to understand that in honestly answering, Judge Kavanaugh would not be making a pledge. A pledge would be a violation of his independence. In the future, he would, of course, be free to change his mind if confronted with new arguments. The compromise I'm proposing says... Alil Reed Amar, professor of Yale Law School in the liberal defense of Judge Kavanaugh, says the compromise I'm proposing would depart from recent confirmation practice, but the current confirmation process is badly broken, alternating between rubber stamps and witch hunts. So his proposal, he's saying, would enable each constitutional actor, in this case he's talking about the Senate and everything else, to once again play its proper constitutional role. The Senate would become a venue for serious constitutional conversation, and the nominee could demonstrate his or her consummate legal skill. Equally important, Judge Kavanaugh could be confirmed with the 90-something Senate votes he deserves, rather than the 50-something votes he will likely get. Keep in mind, Scalia, I think, got 90-plus votes. Scalia, all right? the most conservative Supreme Court justice in modern history. Now, what, what, what this guy is saying in this piece is basically that, you know, in the past, there was this forbiddance of questions that would, about like Roe versus Wade, like how would you vote on Roe versus Wade when instead of asking that question, to, to this guy, he's saying the issues surrounding that are, should not be forbidden from being talked about. You don't, he doesn't have to say how he would rule, but he can chime in and opinionate on aspects of Roe versus Wade, such as the question of viability or how Roe versus Wade relates to uh, the right to privacy. All those things could be discussed in this forum. But as usual, what happens is certain questions a justice won't answer because they don't want to be pegged with it. And, and, and this guy's pointing out if there's just this understanding that new arguments come along, new things come along, let the guy talk in the confirmation hearing. There has to be civility has to come out of this or it's it's just going to run amok. I I hope it doesn't go down that slippery slope where they're going to just have a list of rulings and past cases and what would you do if um but something tells me this time around it's going to it's going to happen. 
You know, it, it kind of depends. It, it, it might go the way that – here, let me put this in the comment section for you guys to kind of uh, – here, I'll just plug it right in here. Okay, 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 okay. Hang on. Hang on, people. There we go. Opinion. There we go. Then you guys can have that, and there you go. You have your cake and eat it too. There you go, people. Thanks, Jamie. You're welcome. Here's your cake, and here's your fork. You can have it all with me. And radio free almonds. So, what they're made to, what this, but this is a liberal case for Brett Kavanaugh. And, and essentially, my sense is that this is much like it has been before much ado about nothing. The left has failed to have any of its blowouts actually stick. And what I'm saying, like, look at what happened to the whole President Trump has children in a, in a, cage and it's a concentration camp the left got bored with that story two days after it hit right nothing sticks because there's no facts no behind no but 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 again whatever happened like for instance casey was in here not too long ago i'll have to get him in here later on in the week casey was in here not too long ago and he uh basically uh why am i looking at myself walking away Oh, oh, never mind. Long delay. I, I, I guess it is. Uh, Casey was in here not too long ago uh, talking about how down at the border, it's just like a Nazi concentration camp. It's, 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 uh, it's uh, death camps all over again. It's boxcars. And, and what were they talking about? Uh, taking the kids to the showers and all this kind of stuff. And apparently it's like, okay, well, never mind. That's not the, it's not the Holocaust anymore. Well, you guys said it was just like the Holocaust three weeks ago. And, and, and then suddenly now it's like ho-hum, we're onto something else. Like you guys, that's why we don't take you seriously anymore because when you bitch and moan about stuff, it never lasts very long. You don't have the stamina to stick with it. And as you point out, Steve, aptly so, it's because you don't have any – substance to your arguments no or you just ask them the simple question where were you when obama was enforcing the same law of course well to the the point where you're using old i mean it's it it becomes so comical it's like the the keystone cops you you wind up for instance utilizing old pictures and pretending it's their new ones and, they're, and, they're, and right. they couldn't work out worse for you when you're putting up pictures of kids in cages and you're like, look at the world we live in now. And it was like, that's 2014. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it's like, how, how do, it, it, you're so hapless. And, and, and now you don't have, you don't have anybody working with you anymore and anybody working for you. You've got Maxine Waters. Right. Maxine Waters, Pelosi. Um, is there anybody that, that the Democratic Party has of any type of credibility? Well, look, look what they're doing now, though, Steve. They're like, for a while, they're like, God, Hillary, just she's so annoying. She needs to go away. She lost an election. This is an embarrassment. Now, so it's like, Hillary might come back. This is going to be awesome. It's like, they, they don't know where they are. I mean, Mark Kaysen, again, I hate to keep using him while he's not here, but Mark Kaysen 
yesterday is texting me like Hillary might just do this. I'm like, really? This, this is the same That's guy. All they got. Get the, they're, they're digging up that bone again. I mean, for a while there, they they didn't want anything to do with her, and they were, every liberal commentator was like, "She needs to shut up. This is really getting bad." And now suddenly, oh, never now now suddenly, once it was declared that uh, the the socialist resistance Antifa chick up there in New York is the future of the Democratic Party, like I don't think we want this anymore. What happened between the Democratic Party of '08 and the Democratic Party now? They got 10 years older and screechier, basically. I mean, because you don't have any. And you know what? Really, the Republicans, with the exception of President Trump, they're not in, the, in necessarily the greatest shape no, either. especially in this state. Yes. Well, oh, yeah. In this state, yes. Ooh. I mean, listen, we're going to have a situation where ultimately we're going to have our own 2020 problem at the state level. And again, I, I happen to, and I always have to preface this because, uh, because, uh, because I respect him because of his support of law enforcement. I respect the fact that he was a, a sheriff at one time, Mike Parson I'm talking about. I, I like him personally, and I, I, there's no question that he's a good guy. There is a question as to whether or not he can win – a election for governor in 2020. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying that that is a doubt in my mind. And, and it's kind of like no different than when I looked at someone like Ted Cruz and I looked at Ted Cruz during the primaries. I loved Ted Cruz. I had a, I did one of the only interviews locally, local interviews at the Hilton. Uh, at the Hilton here, the Friday Hilton had him on for a full half hour on the Almond Report. Remember that? Yes. I mean, I would, and this was when I, would, I was still being accused of being, you know, a, a, a turncoat because I didn't support him necessarily and, and was more supportive of President Trump. But I, I, I thought that Cruz was great. Cruz was kind of, um, I compared it to the person you date versus the person you marry. And Cruz kind of had all of the perfect elements of a politician, a U.S. senator, what have you, and, you know, all those things. But I didn't think he could win. I agree. I mean, he and so Parson is kind of the same way. He's he's got everything there on paper, everything else. But the reality is, can he win? Because America is still at the point and you, you had this. You had the pulse of the nation because you're listening to the callers every day. So we're launching the Almond Report. You were hearing it for years that this country has had enough and they were looking for someone, a representative of the country who has basically said, I've had enough of Washington. I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican, I don't care who it is. Get somebody in there to implode the damn inept system. And that was Trump. Right, and that's why as early as 2005 when I was coming up with a theme or a an ID for my radio show on the other station, I came up with uh, 
with common sense radio because I was in a situation where I didn't want to call it Republican radio because that's not what it was. And I didn't want to call it uh, obviously liberal radio. And this was in 2005 when I come back after taking off and working for the archdiocese for nine months or whatever it was. And I knew even in 2005 that there was a trend away from the traditional party structure and more towards just simply approaching things from an angle of common sense. And yes, it was going to be conservative because in my opinion, common sense is more in line with conservative thinking than liberal thinking. Liberal thinking, in my opinion, on on a lot of levels makes no sense at all. So, but, 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 but either way, though, I was just I was pointing out even then that it was I was going to call it common sense radio to define it as a a, a a beyond the party approach to talk radio that was going to focus more on issues at hand that make sense for us as Americans as opposed to make sense for us as Republicans. And I even went to the point where ultimately I said, "Hey." Um, that 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 uh, I I'm not responsible for saving the Republican Party. It's not my job to no. save the Republican Party. That's not what I do. And when there were people with President Trump saying, "Well, he's not conservative, and it's, he's going to ruin the Republican Party," I said, "That's not my concern." The, the Republican Party, if it's ruined, that's only going to be because the Republican Party ruined itself. Sounds like Jeff City to me. Well, yeah. And, and, and even with President Trump, they say, well, he's not conservative. And I, I constantly ask the question, what is conservative? Because a guy like Ronald Reagan, who is considered by many to be the quintessential conservative – was also a guy who was addicted to tariffs and taxes and not tax uh, you know, tariffs and on 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 goods. He was he was a a Democrat, a vicious one time. trade warrior, and and so is that now suddenly Trump doing it? That's not conservative when your conservative Jesus did it too. I don't. I'm trying to figure that out. And I, I tried to ask people. Uh, What's conservative? Nation building or staying out of other people's skirmishes or uh, stop using the interventionalist viewpoint or the neocon viewpoint of foreign affairs and take an approach that is more in line with our founding fathers, with our constitution? How to me, the Republicans actually were the ones in the decade preceding President Trump. The Republicans were the one who were who weren't acting conservative at all. It's not conservative to enter into trade deals that hurt the American worker. I'll never forget Laura Ingram talking about how it's 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 perfectly in line with the federal government's approach perfectly in line to regulate commerce that's what has always been a constitutional mandate of the federal government is to regulate commerce so it's perfectly in line and trade 
it's perfectly in line with the Constitution to, to regulate trade. My prediction after 2020, Trump is going to say, hey, GOP, I'm going over here. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it another party. You can call it, but I'm going over here. And this is where the country needs to go. You with me or not? And I, there's going to be a big cross in the road, fork in the road when 2020 and the GOP and Trump and this whole two-party system, I think, is going to get rattled yeah, big and, time. And, 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 the, and the thing, the only non-conservative thing that President Trump, in my opinion, has done, I mean, there's some things he said that people would take issue with, but he hasn't done them. He talks and whatever, uh, is sign the spending bill. That's the only non-conservative thing I think that he's done is he was, but you know, that of course, again, you know, when you are president of the United States and you are aiming, and he's been doing this his whole life, especially as, uh, with the art of the deal is you tend to attempt to, get what you want by cooperating on other things. Some things you'll go ahead and say, I'll do with the effort ultimately to win something on the other side. Right. What do you, what? I'm sorry. Mark Kasem's just distracting me that he just told me that uh, Trump is going to go to jail when I said, well, he keeps saying that yeah, but I, but Mark is out of his mind. Yes, he is. I mean, he, he keeps saying this jail thing, and President Trump isn't going anywhere near jail. Isn't that four years old now, that whole narrative? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, James Comey, Peter Strzok, and Hillary Clinton They're gonna go will to be jail. going to jail before President Trump ever does. What, what is President Trump going to jail for? Don't you remember the emoluments clause? I, I guarantee you, emol- the word emoluments will be typed out in, in a matter of, like, minutes. That's, that's what they always – they don't even know what it is, but the left always goes, yeah, but, you know, he violated the emoluments clause. You know that, don't you? He was a slumlord in 1978. Yes. You're not supposed to use the government offices. All right. It's Radio Free Almond, Radio Free Almond. Dot com. Don't forget to go there and get your gear, too. Your hats, your shirts, and Julia and the gang have, Julie and the gang have put together brand new colors for you. So check it out there, RadioFreeAlman.com. Thank you to Discovery Design, DiscoveryDesignInc.com for supporting Radio Free Almond. Thank you also to... Mattress King. Yes, check it out on Facebook, people. Bamboo, the comfort of bamboo. I'm doing it. And don't forget about my buddy Mike Marino and Shannon. They're both going to be in tomorrow in the show. We'll talk about Santino's cigars and cocktails right there off of Vogel Road in beautiful Arnold. I'm going to hit that place now, too. Great place. They have your bottle, is what they say. Some of the finest selection of whiskeys, gins. I mean, I'm a gin drinker, a whiskey drinker too, but a gin drinker. I've never. I had a new gin there. I couldn't believe they had there was such thing as a new gin that I haven't tried, but I had it. Beautiful cigars and an outstanding, amazing exhaust system. I don't know how they do it, but you walk in there and 
it's not that it smells like cigars, of course, has a great kind of scent to it, but you can breathe in there. It's amazing. And you walk out not smelling like an ashtray. Exactly, which is why chicks dig it there at Santino Cigars and Cocktails in beautiful Arnold. SantinoCigars.com. We'll be back in just a few, people. What? Nothing. Uh, what? Nothing. You're you're the boss. I've always looked up to you. Were you talking about the mics? You mean? No, I don't. What? What are you talking about? The mics? Well, we were talking off air about the mics. Oh, we were. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna go there. Matt was wondering. Matt was wondering about a cough button. I think it'd be great. Mike Shannon has a cough button. You know what I actually need? You know what I need is, really, in the end? Yeah. I need a lever on the floor I could pull and just drop <laughs> down into the basement. You wanted that on the TV, too. <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been great. That, actually, Thad could have digitally done that. Why, why do I know that that's... Is that was that in, like, in a cartoon or something? Because, uh, I, I, because, I mean, because I think it'd be good if it's safe. You wouldn't want to hurt anybody. I think, uh, but it would be good to have like a drop floor, you know, like a lever. I think I saw that like on Looney Underdog Tune. or something, I, uh, or Looney Tunes. Yeah, maybe uh, that deal. was it. Yeah, or like maybe I know, I know. How about an anvil that says Acme that can fall out of the ceiling? Oh no, I'm sorry, I saw that on the Roadrunner. Uh, TV '60s Batman, I think, is yeah. the lever. No, you, eventually, no. What I'm saying is too, and, and I'm not trying to be, uh, you know. What? Officious here. I, what I'm just trying to say is, is part of the things about you know being uh, like with the radio, and 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 that, and that people have to learn. I've had a lot of people on the radio who otherwise have not always been on the radio, and so they 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 tend not to know how to work a mic. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. So so like when earlier when you were like adjusting your microphone while I was talking. About the Supreme Court justice. I didn't think you could hear I that. I was like, well, can you, you know that, you know. Can, or when I was trying to write a note about when Mark Kasem was. Uh, yeah, I, I right, didn't think I could hear that. I, I'm sorry. Yes. I had no idea. And, and then the other thing is people tend to, for whatever reason, uh, I, I don't like to listen to your nose while I'm talking. So a lot of people tend to like, like when, when, they, when somebody else is talking, they'll sit there and go. I'm like, do you know what you're doing? I mean, but that's that's what it's like to deal with people who aren't on the radio a lot. And, and so, or or they'll, or, you know, and and now the other problem is though too is because of the radio excellence that I want to impart on people, the EIB of Almond, exactly. 
is that I keep my headphones really, really high, like really loud. I have done the same thing. See, I my radio was always kind of a part-time thing. So I would, uh, when 590 started with Sloan and Hadley, I would chime in and be on the microphone every morning. And then with Asher and Smash at 93.7. And that's when I really got thrown into it. But I was always kind of like, hey, church, get in here. I'd say my few words and then, all right, get the hell out of here. They Smash would pull the lever and I would drop right back into the marketing sales office type thing. So, well, it's it's, it's a learning process, and yeah. then and, and and like you and and you drop back when you're when you're not you know uh, talking or whatever. And I also notice I've always been fascinated by this is that people who come in and and won't talk into the microphone like you're like you're the only way you're here. And you're like, yes, Jamie, I've always wanted to be the U.S. Senator from like, uh, can you talk into the microphone? So I, I, it's those kinds of things. Now, also keep in mind, though, the, the, to the noise factor, uh, there are I keep my headphones super loud. Like, Matt, are these unusually loud? Do you think headphones? Yeah. Yeah. Are they unusually loud? I'm, it's probably why I'm deaf. But, uh, what? Partially deaf. But my headphones are super loud. So I hear everything. Do you? Yes. Floor creaks or whatever else. Like sometimes Matt could be talking out there. We have like three different doors. I'll hear him, but you guys don't hear him. No, but I, I hear him. I have listened to shows I've been on with you, and I'll think, oh, I said that very clearly or loud, and then I'll go back and watch it on Facebook or listen to RadioFreeAlma.com, oh, and I've not, I'm like, wow, I didn't. I wouldn't clear at all. No one could hear do? a damn word I said. You go back and review your performance, do you? Three times, four times a day. Just go back and wow. You rewind it a little bit. Rewind oh, it a bit. Look at, look at what I did. Said just oh. right there. The perfect <laughs> cadence. A, yeah. Look at my. Did you? Did you? Honey, come here. Did you hear my rhythm? Look at me. Drumming. You talking about my rhythm and playing the drums? Larry wrote me. And this is amazing to me that 97.1 is still running promos for Almond in the Morning. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Why? Well, I mean, they're, they're still, that's what I, I keep getting messages from people. Uh, like Larry wrote me really this morning and said, Did you know 97.1 is still running ads for Almond in the Morning? It's been how long? April? Yeah. Okay. So they they just can't hit the search engine and in their cart menu, hit almond, and it'll all pop up there and someone can just hit delete. You'd think. You'd think. Yeah. But maybe they don't want to. Maybe maybe they want that advertiser who's just kind of wondering. Oh, I wonder if I should advertise in that station or not. And they're driving in their car, and and the, over the weekend they hear almond in the morning, and they're like, "Oh, well, Jamie's still there." Then okay, I guess everything's good again. Christy Hoven has a good question. Why are they still listening to ninety-seven-one? I'm like, yeah, Larry, what are you listening to ninety-seven? Yeah. I think I think occasionally though there are other shows on there that people will want to listen. I don't know, but I listened one time because I got prompted to because. Um, you were being discussed. Oh, really? And this was, I, I'd let you know about that. It was a few weeks ago. Oh. In the afternoon. Oh, really? Yeah. It was, it was in reference to the Roseanne. 
about people overreacting and mindfully oh, I remember, overreacting. I remember being slightly pissed about that because um, what I said is nothing is nothing what Roseanne said. No, but I. It was more of the how people will on the libertarian front will purposely overreact. No, uh, right, yeah. but 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 for someone to put yeah. my name in Connect with Roseanne's die. name, I didn't appreciate that. I understand because this is nothing like this. By the way, no, since you since you mentioned that, thank you uh, for um, for for bringing this up because um, there. <laughs> can I do this? Let me see. Hold on a second here, people. So. Um, Beyonce has a new song. This is a call for an uprising. Welcome to today's show. I want- okay, um, I'm trying to find it. Hang on, because I, I, I uh, uh, I'm just trying. I want to make sure I get this right. Okay, so there is a um, Beyonce and Jay Z. Have a new song. This is it. And and, and and it's A P E S H I T. It's the name of the song. Oh. Okay. And Something I'm, I've been accused of doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out, like, you know, and again, it's nothing compared to what Roseanne said. Like, I, you never, like, compare a black person to an ape. But, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, you just don't, that's not what you do. No. Well, but, and I do believe Roseanne, because I've talked to her son quite a bit about this. She was not thinking color at all, because she, the furthest thing from her mind was that woman being black. Right. But 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 one sentence I wanted to say after that is yes. that you don't compare a black person to an ape. But that's not a reason to pull you off of a television show, exactly, and to fire 120 people, especially when you're Disney. And anytime you need a voice for a hyena, it's like call up the black guy. We need a voice for a hyena. It's like or or a, or a hippopotamus. Will you call Whoopi Goldberg? I mean, the these same people who act like. You know they're they're not stereotypers or anything else. Disney's like the the quintessential stereotyper, and I actually like Disney stuff. I like Disney movies. I like Disney World. So I'm not a, like an anti Disney person. But don't pretend somehow that you don't stereotype and do whatever. I'm trying to think. Other than animation, when when has Walt Disney had a prominent black actor or actress on camera? I don't know. Because as you're saying this to me, I'm going back through all the Herbie movies and the Freaky Fridays and all that. Where where are the African-American talent on camera in these? Hey, we got a role for a voice. We need a voice for a donkey. We have Chris Rock's number. (laughs) You know, it's it's like automatically, you know. And in fact, I think at one point they had um, they had. They actually did have like the 
like monkeys or something that they were actually had black voices. I'm like, how does Disney get away with this? Jungle Book. Yeah, Jungle Book, yeah. Although Louis Prima, who was uh, King Louis, was not black. No, that, that is correct. Thank you for pointing <laughs> that out. But, uh, you know, it's weird, too, because uh, we there was a post made by none other than I, – I shouldn't even bring his name up. But speaking of stereotypes – and there, there are some really awful kind of stereotype types out there. I mean, there are people who who live and breathe this blacks, monkeys. I mean, th- th- this kind of thing. And then sometimes they go overboard. Like at one point, remember that that case in one the community where they had a they had a uh, gorilla, like a gorilla statue or something at, at a playground, and and people demanded that the gorilla statue be removed because it was racially insensitive. I'm thinking, who brought that up? And it, it turns out it was black people who were like, that gorilla shouldn't be there. It's racially insensitive. I'm going, wait a minute. Wh- why are you, what's your, how does that even, I have no idea. I mean, I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all, but why would you, why would you uh, bring that up? Because I mean, I because I I see a gorilla. I don't think of a black person. No. But why would a black person see a gorilla and think about a black person? Watching Planet of the Apes, I've never equated that to black African anything of the sort. Could it be because Roddy McDowell's the whitest man on earth? Even when um oh he passed away, Michael Clark Duncan played in Planet of the Apes. He played the military. Militant, yeah. End of the in the uh, Mark Wahlberg one, I just never, never equated that the way the liberals did a few weeks ago on Roseanne. I just no, amazing. Planet of the Apes was a trip, man. Yeah, the original Planet of the Apes. This set that's out now, I think it's terrifically done. Which one? Awesome. The, is it a new Planet of the Apes? There's uh, three of them now. And okay. Caesar. Yeah. I need to go back and see, watch the original one. Anyway, so so uh, this guy, uh, this Charles Jaco character, right? Ooh. Who was quite possibly just the, the nastiest, darkest, vile soul you're going to find anywhere in the world. The guy is like... I'm, it's no wonder he has heart problems because it, it's, it, his heart is desperately trying to get out of his body because it doesn't belong there. That's how vile Charles Jaco is. Well, all those missiles that hit him in Iraq. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Oh, yeah. We've, you know, just, I, I actually, so anyway, somebody referred me. It was Brad Hildebrand, actually, who uh, I guess is, saw Charles Jaco f- post on one of his Facebook pages, which is you go there, I mean, it's like I would imagine Charles Jacob and all his friends, remember those people who were part of that cult that just like, I'm not talking about the Jim Jones cult, I'm talking about those people who in California, who like were all in their bunk beds and wore white tennies and off the, off themselves remember that? <laughs> sort of <laughs> 
it was a group yes. of people, and they really it was really like a weird cult. But that's kind of like that's Charles Jaco and all of his Facebook friends. Are you referring to the Southeast Missouri post? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. So oh, you saw that? Yes. Okay. So he posts that he's he's concerned about going to Southeast Missouri for his safety. A friend asked him if he should be concerned, which probably is a lie. Right. Uh, first of all, it's, it's it begins with with first of all a lie. Right. Because I have Jacob, this friend. Right. Because Charles Jacob is a liar and he's also a thief, as evidenced by the fact that he one time bragged to me. Uh, when he came to KMOX, it was like a big deal that we had Charles Jaco because we're such a cow town. We we're like somebody from from a from a network was coming to work at KMOX, and so it was like Charles Jaco. And so he was like, "Yeah, I, I, he showed me his watch that he stole from Manuel Noriega when he was covering the situation down there in Panama." Like, oh, nice! Like a like a two bit watch thief working for KMOX hmm. now. So anyway. It's so whatever he posted there is probably a lie, first of all. But anyway, to to the point. So it was about this person being concerned about whether or not they could go to southeast Missouri because of all the Trump voters down there, right? Right. And and that was the essence of it. And that there should be should he be fearful, uh, feel threatened, and will he be harassed? Right by southeast Missourians. Because because what was his skin color or something? Was I, it probably something probably something racial? Because Jaco's obsessed with that. But it could be, yeah. But no. Uh, so so the the post was just one of the were typically dark, vile, depressed post on Charles Draco's page, and uh, so he, I, the response was. Like this is unbelievable. You'd never, for instance, profile, you know, it, like like a Trump voter. Should I go to you know some part of St. Louis because they'll I, I might be attacked? I mean, if they were ever broached in any other fashion, you'd be called a racist and a stereotyper and a terrible person, and everything else. But the same media type of Charles Jaco, ironically, is the same media type who lined up all the whiteies for the arch ceremony. <laughs> right, exactly. They're the tolerable, inclusive, open-minded, we're all of the same color, human blood, That, but they also make blundering error mistakes like the Arch. They're also the same people who think that if I go to a certain part of Missouri, I'm going to be attacked Harassed. I'm going to put this up. So this is. So I'm going to show you guys on Facebook what I would if I if I were actually friends with Charles Jaco on Facebook, or I have an opportunity to be on Facebook with him. I would put up this uh, particular link on the Facebook page here, and I'll, I'll I'll put the link up there for all of you to see it. Okay, sound good? Hang on here. <laughs> Yeah, Scott was talking about the Jaco bit with the gas mask. Still makes him pee a little bit. Yeah, that is really funny. Yeah, because still out there. he's such a putz, and he looks like some two-bit porn star there anyway. With his with his crappy little mustache, and it's just there's something just so vile about that dude. I wonder how Patrick Emery handled him at CNN. I 
Oh, I, I'm sure. I, well, there's there's a reason why. Okay, let's put it this way: Charles Jaco, CNN, supposed war correspondent, national correspondent, comes to KMOX to do a show at ten o'clock in the or one o'clock in the afternoon, or yeah. two o'clock in the afternoon. So, how do you think CNN felt about Charles Jaco? Or Patrick Emery. Right. You don't, you don't normally leave a major network, if you want to call it that, and go and do an afternoon show on an AM radio station in St. Louis. So there's your answer. And here's my answer to uh, whether or not you should fear Trump voters over liberal voters. Or let's say, or how about Obama voters? Huh? You want to do that? Here. There, you like you? Are you on Facebook? Yeah, I see it. Okay, call it up. Call up the link. Push that button and put and push push go. It won't let me. Uh, just link it. Link just it. hit the button with the arrow. That's well, I don't have an arrow. I'm, it's what do a, you have? What is that? Uh, iPad Pro. Oh. It's a real pro. I have an arrow. <laughs> Report comment. No. Okay. It's anyway. It's it's from the smoking gun. The link is up there, and it's two solid pages of mugshots of people wearing Obama T-shirts. <laughs> And, and, and by the way, let me see, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So there are 70 pictures on each page. Let me see if there's 70 here, too. Well, uh, there are uh, maybe 60, 50. I'm trying to figure, because there's 70 on one page. It looks like 30 on another. So there's so, so, so 70 on 30. So 100 pictures of mugshots of people wearing Obama T-shirts. Now, that doesn't mean you're convicted, but you are arrested. And so show me the mugshots of people with Trump T-shirts on versus the mugshots of people with Obama T-shirts on, and I'll tell you who you need to be more scared of. Right. A friend of mine pointed out that uh, the irony of it was is that his, quote, friend would not have been – he could have replaced the word southeast Missouri with uh, the riverfront <laughs> <laughs> because evidently uh, the Arch and the riverfront people, uh, at least with uh, optics, wanted to make it look like he wasn't welcome there either, You could, one could say. A Charles Jaco could say, my, my friend's worried about going to the riverfront because he watched a ribbon-cutting ceremony, and he didn't see any of his like-minded people there. So he's concerned about going to the riverfront. Yeah. People are armed with giant scissors. <laughs> right. <laughs> waiting, <laughs> waiting for us. That are available at Amazon. I still want to know. The burning question for me still is whether or not the same scissors, like the black 
ribbon cutters. I bet it was. Whether they used the same pair of scissors that they used in the white ribbon cutter I thing. I bet it was. Can, can somebody on Facebook, can one of you who has uh, all the time in the world, please uh, see if you can analyze each photo uh, of the black ribbon cutting and then, and then the white ribbon cutting and, and, uh, and, and see if they're using this, what looks like the same pair of scissors and, and see if the, the whites allowed the blacks to use their big pair of scissors after they decided not to have black people in their photo. No, but you can use our pair of scissors for your own picture if you want to, black people. And we taped up the ribbon that we already cut up so you can cut it again. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that... (laughs) Duct tape over the old ribbon they already cut. Oh, I'd love to know if they did. Oh, wow. Please uh, see if you can do this and... and, uh, 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 See if you can find out, because if, if you can, uh, Emily, <laughs> Emily says, maybe you don't have an arrow because maybe it's because Apple sucks. <laughs> Ooh. See, Steve? You need to pay attention uh, to this kind of stuff. I'm not on a true computer. Uh, but people, if you, if you can please find that for us, that would be, that would be great, because I would definitely appreciate you, uh, if you can, if you can find out, because I would bet, I would lay money on it, that... The black ribbon cutting contingent borrowed the big scissors from the white ribbon cutting contingent. And and ladies and gentlemen, that's the world we live in these days. That's yep. the world we live in these days. Because and of course it's it's so embarrassing for St. Louis to have this situation because and I don't know what's right or wrong about this. I don't really I, I wish nobody's talking about it. And no one in the media really is delving into this. And the phone calls I've made, I've talked to people and they don't know. Or some of them won't say. I talked to somebody from the mayor's office. And they're like, there's no way I'm getting into how this whole thing went down. But, uh, but I don't know whether uh, – like, like you'd think Lacey Clay, that's his district – he right. was invited. You'd think he would be there regardless of the holiday. He had the time off. He would be back home. Yes. I mean, and, but he said he made a commitment, and I get this. I mean, I honestly yeah. do understand that if it's a family a commitment, I completely get it and respect it. And so don't worry about that. But I am interested in, in, in knowing why he wouldn't show up to something like that. And and why, for instance, like if you're the congressman from that district, and you and you played an integral part, you had to have in in how that thing went down. It's a federal property. Why you wouldn't be there is beyond me. I don't I don't understand it. Was Lewis Reed there? Lewis Reed was uh, apparently not invited. Okay. So he was in the he was in the redo. He was in the redo. He was in the other. He was in the redo of it. So uh, and and Darlene Green, who's the comptroller. Now keep in mind, you have uh, the 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 three most powerful people in city government, and and it's kind of a and it it kind of works like a. uh, I forgot what they called it, but it's the three. It's it's the president of the board of aldermen, Mm -hmm. the comptroller, and the mayor. Oh, not the Danforths. It, it, I thought it was 
I no. What okay. I mean is, like, in the construct of city government, when oh, these guys okay. meet, you know, when the, when they talk about money, when they talk about this, the board of estimate and apportionment, all that kind of stuff, it's the comptroller, it's the mayor, and it's the president of the board of aldermen. They're the three most powerful people in St. Louis, and if you have the three most powerful people in St. Louis government. Two of them are black, and two of them are not invited to the ribbon cutting for the brand new arts grounds in the city of St. Louis. That's a problem. Or how about inviting the two previous black mayors or all the previous mayors that are still alive once the arch went up to date? Why not invite them? Why not invite Harmon and Bosley? You mean the ones who didn't get it done? Well, they were still part of the arch. Still existed. I would. I would think anybody that, yeah, served the city. Um, well, in the leadership role, either, yeah, yeah. You, but but what we're saying is though, when it comes to the to how that whole thing went down, it would be really odd if two of the three most powerful people in city government weren't there. For a ribbon cutting, and it just so happens the two people who weren't there were black. That's kind of weird. Yeah, and I and I and 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 the assumption I made early on was this is pretty fairly typical of the uh, of the white liberal establishment in the city of St. Louis. That sometimes I think uh, is not too um, uh, not too bright. Good morning, everybody. I, I'm bringing this up because I'm getting past the commercial here. Because we're this is this is the Starbucks Ultra Caramel song. No, it's the Starbucks Ultra Caramel Coffee. It's like, uh, why don't you just go to an ice cream store and 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 just admit that that's really what you want. <laughs> Go to a go to a Baskin Robbins and get an ice cream cone, caramel flavor. Don't pretend you're you're just getting a coffee. It's healthier than Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Is Baskin Robbins still around? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's um one that's been there for decades at Baptist Church in 21, across from Concord. Oh, so it's like an, it's an old school one. Yeah. I remember we had in New City, we had the Velvet Freeze. Oh, yeah. Which is quite possibly the most awesome name for an ice cream store you could possibly right. imagine. There was one in Afton uh, toward Loughborough. I recall growing up that uh, my dad and I would go to a lot with the Trokies and um, loved it. And it had the huge ice cream cone as their, uh, as their sign. It was if like I, a 3D. Yeah, if I can go back in time... Uh, and 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 when I, like starting in radio, I would have forgotten about the Jamie Allman thing. I'd have been I would, they would I would have been called the Velvet Freeze. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Velvet Freeze. That's a great radio. It's the name. Velvet Freeze. Yeah, exactly. Something well, tells me I wouldn't really. I don't really match that. But but still, imagine how what a get up that would be. Like yeah, they they call me the Velvet Freeze. Over pillow talk with Velvet Freeze. Right. But that's a great name. I wonder if anybody could use that again. You think it's trademarked? We'll find out. Do we, to, do we have to get permission from the Velvets to use their name? Who were they? Was it a national 
No, it was a local. It was, it was a just city, a local. Okay, and they had and they had the best bubble gum ice cream on the planet. Bubble gum ice cream. Oh, I love. Okay, I'm not on Facebook. Are you on Facebook? I was. Okay, so ask people if they've had bubble gum ice cream because bubble gum ice cream is the rip. I'm telling you, it was great because you'd have literally the bubble gum would be. Uh, sometimes you get a whole bubble gum bu- uh, ball. Or sometimes it'd be half, but it'd be in the ice cream, and it'd be hard as a rock. But then when you put it in your mouth, it would be softer. What's so funny, dude? Nothing. No. Why? I, what I, are you? Everything is everything. Why is that all something that you're laughing about? I just went Beavis and Butthead for yeah, a second. Yeah, that's what I thought. So anyway, you'd have the but, but it would be but, and then you'd chew the bubble gum. And could With you the blow, ice cream? Could you blow it bubbles? It I wouldn't mean, would be. It, it, would, it wasn't like that. It was that. It was that confectionary bubble gum. Okay. you know that stuff that would you chew like right. for ten seconds and then spit out because there'd be no flavor left in it anymore. Gia remembers the bubble gum oh. ice cream. I, do they still have bubble gum ice cream? Do they still have it? <laughs> no, Google it. Oh, because I want to get to Jimmy Kimmel because you know a little bit about Kimmel. I, yes. I thought- Fairly compared to, and I've been working on something. Uh, on Saturday, one unlucky person is going to go home with this Ted Cruz blobblehead doll. So they, and he's making fun of Ted Cruz. It turns out that Glamour magazine, which I didn't know these women's magazines were all like these, that were run by like 20-something left-wing hipster chicks who probably don't shave their legs running these magazines now. So Glamour Magazine interviews Kimmel's wife, Molly, is her name? Yeah, from Chesterfield. Okay. Uh, Interviews his wife, and she talked about, because, by the way, these guys, they interviewed these comedians, and she talked talked about her. She's the head writer for Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. So... She was a writer prior to their relationship. Right. So he... She writes for him, and she talked about and revealed that she's the one who ordered him not to make fun of Hillary Clinton's pantsuits and how horrible it is to, to, to make fun of a woman based on her dress, her manner of dress. That's where it started. But this is the same show, to my knowledge, that mocked Melania Trump's accent, correct? Correct. Jimmy Kimmel mocked Melania Trump's accent, correct? Correct. And didn't wasn't there some other thing that he said uh, about Melania or Ivanka? So apparently, uh, this is she's the root of Jimmy Kimmel's transformation into this left wing late night hack. He mocked her strong accent, not being able to uh, joke that she couldn't speak English. Right. Yeah. But I mean, but, but, but so, so apparently uh, that's the rule at Kimmel headquarters, otherwise known as home and, and also on the stage, you that, that, uh, that you must not make fun of Hillary Clinton's pantsuits, but it's okay to make fun of Melania Trump or Ivanka or any other or Sarah Huckabee Sanders or her and her face. Whatever. Yeah. Something's, and I said this a few weeks ago, something's missed the mark. And 
and you can even tell in his some of his jokes or some of the bits they do. They're just not hitting it. They're um, it's gone. It just went way too political. Yeah. And, um, Molly, Molly's been driving the train, and I saw it when the lion deal happened. Um, I thought this is not Jimmy. That this is not the guy. You mean the lion cry thing? Yeah, yeah. And I, I just <laughs> something's something's gone goofy over there. But Jimmy is surrounded by his en- entire family. I mean, um, cousins, uh, brothers, sisters. His uncle was the security guy before Guillermo. Uncle Frank, who is longtime police officer, sweetheart of a man, mm-hmm. very conservative. Um, Jimmy had a lot of conservative um, well, values. Well, I, I always thought that Kimmel had the best chance and was the best fit for The Tonight Show to replace Johnny Carson because he kind of had that old school whatever. Uh, but then it turns out seemingly he's been radicalized and, and you can only come to the conclusion that she's got something he doesn't have and he'll do anything for it. That's what I'm saying. Do something. If you want to make this into a, uh, a positive, you can... Uh, <laughs> sorry. Jimmy Kimmel chokes up over Cecil the Lion's death. And that's another story that just went way... But no one wanted to listen to the truth. No one wanted to bother hearing the truth and what the... Villagers have to deal with on a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour basis of uh, trying to uh, stay alive. Try to have Jimmy Kimmel try to live amongst peacefully with a lion or elephants or anything else and see how far and how long you live. Are you choking up? You like look like you're crying. Um. Fine. On behalf of the villagers. That's amazing. That's really powerful. That was a powerful statement you just made there. Thanks. You know, they was like to live with lions running around in elephants. <laughs> Rhinoceros. Have you ever seen one of those close up? It's not funny. Gigantic. Have you seen a hippo? The teeth? The, the biggest teeth? When they do pop up, because normally they just hide in the water, and you only see their ears and their head. Imagine living like that your whole life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so anyway, You're insensitive. What? You're insensitive. I know, well, but, 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 that's, but that's but that's that's the problem. And now again, to to my point, and is anybody commenting on the like, for instance, glamour? Like like there used to be glamour, the glamour magazine, Cosmopolitan, uh, Red Book. I laugh every time I do it because it's like so Red Book's so old school. But I think my mom my mom used to get Red Book, uh, and and all those magazines now suddenly seemingly are like these left-wing rags. It's like GQ. How how in the hell did that happen that GQ magazine becomes this I mean it's unreadable. I mean I never really 
I mean, you know, listen, I, I don't I don't need to be told what color belt to wear with my shoes. I don't really need that kind of advice from the bunch of fops over at GQ magazine. But no, fifty no. new ways to hit your chest and tries. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you think men's health is probably is probably a uh a left-wing rag by now. I, the only thing the left that's with any decency is probably Maxim magazine. Right. Uh, Velvet Freeze is still open at West Florissant. Thank you, Karen. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, wow. The real, there's, a real, there's a real live Velvet Freeze still open. Available. And there's a bubblegum ice cream at Clementine's in, oh, in St. Louis. Nice. Yep. Where's that? Uh, Clementine's. Clementine's is, uh, all right. Well, anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, so, but, but GQ magazine suddenly became, it's like, it's like ESPN. It's like, how are all these seemingly male dominated things? How'd they become friggin' a bunch of left wing lunatics? They hire younger and dumber. That must be it. They, it must be you. that they're basically operated by twenty-something. They hire hipsters. millennials who have no clue about the real world, and and this is what's happening. And it's what's happening at CNN. I mean, it, well, locally, even like St. Louis Magazine, it's like really, like what, what? What's how did you turn into that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't get it, and I don't understand that, what, how this just transformed. But all, but and and the and the thing about ESPN is probably most confounding to me is is how you get to this point where uh, guy yep yeah, Steve call in the breathalyzer. <laughs> um, how you get to this point, and you know what I think it is, and and again, I don't mean to be sexist or anything, but I think some of these guys have. Women telling them what to do. It's a it's what's going on, which is weird because most of the women I know aren't anything like that. Aren't aren't anything like Molly, whatever her name is, who at least left wing uh, obsessed lunatics. Um, I had an opportunity at ESPN in the late nineties, and uh, it was right after Trey Wingo and. Uh, Weiner went there. Yeah. Matt Weiner. Mm-hmm. I had an opportunity, and the amount of pay for a producer, you would, you would just goff at it. It's, it's like mid-market salary stuff. So I'm thinking, who, who are they hiring there? And these people are going to be running the train in about 10 years, and it's going to be trouble. And right. It's happening. They Millennials who just don't understand the ethics of journalism or how to follow sports or how to keep it, you know, like who was, but, but who was ESPN's audience? Because uh, like, for instance, that one show in the afternoon with, with, uh, I don't know, that one black chick who's a left wing Trump hater. And then some, some other guy who black dude who thinks everybody's racist that show got canceled too. Oh, it did. Yep. Oh, it's about time. Yeah. The Sports Center in the afternoon. Or yeah. SC Six. I think they were trying to nickname it to give it that cool hip 
vibe. Okay. Like, well, I was like wondering. Like the 9 a.m. Okay, so, yeah. it didn't, so it didn't last long. Because I'm, no. I'm trying to figure out, like, how is it possible that guys who want to see more about sports or learn more about sports, why do they have to sift through, in order to get to the sports part, a bunch of, like, left-wing lunacy? <coughs> <laughs> okay Sorry. Over there? Yeah. Gee whiz. <laughs> Sorry, it's a sand. Sorry, Richard. Um, there's a there's they watch one show do it. They'll see Kimmel do it, and they'll see some success in ratings. And they think, well, we got to do the same thing. Well, we do sport. It doesn't matter, right? Well, sport and and Sports Illustrated has become kind of like that too. It's like. How is it possible? And, and maybe we're just noticing it now and people are more emboldened because I will tell you that Olbermann, when he was at ESPN, Keith Olbermann of all people, who is probably one of the biggest left-wing loons around, never talked politics when he was at ESPN. No, and, uh, and he was about putting together, either, even with his own show, he was about producing a good television show. Even at MSNBC or wherever he was yeah, doing, yeah. he was about producing a good show. And granted, didn't agree with the word he, word he said, but he was about a well-supported, well-executed program. Yeah. That's what you need to do. But you had the biggest left-wing loon around at ESPN at the time. And all I remember him is doing great sports commentary. Yeah. And he was a great writer. And and so so how is it possible that 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 he didn't talk politics, but then suddenly these second stringers get in there and they're all about politics? Doesn't make any sense to me. ESPN just a couple of years ago they gave Keith his own show and he didn't go there. Yeah, and well, they they said he could, he didn't want to. Yeah, I mean the the ratings tell the story, and you just point out that person's canceled. So um, okay, well the ambulance is just about here, so we're gonna go ahead and take off, and Steve's gonna be on a stretcher and. About 10 seconds. and You okay, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. As long as Richard's okay. Just your luck, the show's I'm just worried over. about Richard Layton. Why? I, I'm just concerned for our viewers be, and listeners. Don't be, uh, don't, be <laughs> don't be attacking my people. Oh, no, I was concerned. Oh, were you? Yeah. Is he okay? Yeah, he's fine now. Okay, I didn't see yeah, him. He's good. He's a big fan. He's up there on Facebook. All right, people. Don't forget, I did put that. I did put that liberal case for Brett Kavanaugh. It's in the New York Times. I did link it in the comment section. Of I should probably just make a main post of it so you all can see. I'll do that for you. And tomorrow we'll have Mike Marino and Shannon in from Santino's. We'll talk to Jim Talent as well to get his take on how this confirmation process is going to roll and yeah have a great rest of your day steve church thanks man thank you jamie good to see you as always radiofreealman.com thank you discovery design for this beautiful studio discovery discovery design inc discovery design inc.com for all of your truck hauling business needs contractors that's where you need to be discovery design discoverydesigning.com. Have a good one.